Good morning and welcome to Insight. I am Gino, your host. And of course, I have Jason, my co-host, Bible scholar, Jason. Say no, that, brother. No, no pressure. <laughs> Definitely some pressure there, but uh, good morning, brother. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good, man. <laughs> now, neither of us are scholars, folks, but we love the word and uh, we've both studied it quite a bit and we've been under good teachers, thank God. There are still good teachers out there. They're hard to find, but they're out there. And so, um, Jason, you know, with this new schedule you got going, I kind of like this morning thing. Um, It allows me to take off work, so that's always good. (laughs) I I should be working, but I'm not, so that's nice. I get to sit here with a good friend of mine, brother in Christ, and share the Word of God with our audience. And um, we're going to continue in uh, 1 Peter. We went through 1 Peter 1 and 2 last week. And uh, man, that was a fast week. I, I say that every time, but I don't know what's going on with time in general, but doesn't it seem like it's just like, you know, that saying time flies, but it does seem like it. I, I mean, we're almost at the end of 2022 again already. Right. Like, man, yeah, you're what? right. It, it definitely seems like it's speeding up. Um, <laughs> maybe because we're in the last days, man. Maybe, and, you know, man. I don't know. I, I, or we're just old. I, you know, when you get... <laughs> Remember when you were, I just remember being a kid and like a one year seemed like 10 years. It just yeah. seemed like it lasted forever. Now it's like, my gosh, it seems like, you know, six months and you're already at yeah. a new year. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I know, I know. Praise the Lord for it though. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at my kids and grandkids get older and it's, uh, it's a blessing seeing them grow. You know, you yeah. sometimes wonder, are you going to be, uh, how old you're going to be. You don't know when we're going to go, but it's like, man, grandkids are getting older and you want to see them grow up. And I pray that, uh, you know, we always want what we want. So maybe right. when they get old and have kids, I won't be saying the same thing. But <laughs> Maybe not. It is right. nice, but it is nice being younger and, and being able to um, enjoy the grandkids, enjoy your kids. Hey, Christian Patriot, my brother, my host of uh, the Blender is out watching us. What's up, man? You're kind. Of, he's in Texas too, so he's an hour behind. Ah, us. interesting. Yeah. What part of Texas? Uh, he's in Eastern. What? What is it? Northeastern, Mike? Somewhere up there. Yeah, he's near Louisiana, okay. about an hour from. Oh, thank you for the shades. And he purposely gave me the shades because he wants to hear the music in the morning. Yeah, this will wake you up. So. Um, the only bad thing is my eyes in the morning are even worse than they are at night. So <laughs> hopefully this is the right one. There it is. Yes, there's the shades. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. <laughs> oh, these stupid animations. I don't know. They drove Robert crazy. I think that's why he's not hosting with me anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I can suffer along with you, brother. That, won't, that, that alone won't stop me, although it is irritating. No, I, th- I thought you were just going to turn off your camera and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> southeast texas i said north yeah sorry southeast okay yeah cool yeah i think what a, he's about an hour from louisiana two hours somewhere around there um he's originally from california he moved there years ago with his wife his wife's from there. Uh, cool. <clears throat> All right. yeah so him and i do a show on uh it was thursday evenings now it's we moved it to sunday nights it's called the blender and we we do a lot of uh exposing of woke christianity progressive christianity uh cool kind of Hence the name, The Blender. We kind of mix it up there. We have some other things, too. It's fun. Uh, But anyway, today, 1 Peter, we're going to get into uh, chapter 3. This is that chapter, Jason, that um, it's been debated many, many times. And I've heard, I think, every angle uh, to the the wife's submitting. 
uh, ah, okay. in, in this this day of you know feminism that we live in and i don't well it's not even really gosh i don't know what you call it feminism anymore it's it's this mixed bag of just big hybrid hybrid feminism maybe. yeah i don't yeah. know that's a good way to put it but um i i think when you read it in context, you understand, I think it's just a respect thing. I mean, it's just God, God, you know, he says that, um, there's neither Greek nor Jew, female or male, you know, he goes through the list of all the Gentile. Um, if you're in Christ, you're in Christ. And I think that's kind of the, the overall context you got to put behind us. There is a place for a woman. There is a place for a man, uh, we're the emotionally stronger creature. We're physically stronger. We're the we're supposed to be the provider, so I think they, I, I'm saying this to get ahead of the curve here, so that maybe when we read it, if there is anybody that's you know thinking, well, this this isn't right, you know, and then maybe you can look at it and say, okay, well, I I get what God's saying here, and it makes sense because Jason, you and I know this when when it's done in His order, things go pretty smooth, mm-hmm. don't they? Like the family really operates like a well-oiled machine when we do it His way. If if the kids are obeying their parents. And, and the parents are raising their, their children the right way. It just seems like things go much better. Amen. Amen, brother. I, I, I don't see, I haven't seen it work any other way, to be honest with you. I, usually there's a lot of uh, dysfunction, a lot of drama uh, when the Lord is not the head. The, head, the, the husband is not the head of the wife and uh, the wife, uh, you know, henceforth over the children. So it, it's usually a lot of drama, a lot of... Uh, dysfunction, a lot of arguing, a lot of uh, disorderly <laughs> or orderly things. So yeah, it works great that way, the Lord's way. And so um, meanwhile, um, there's not a place for pets in that scenario because my dog just came in here whimpering. I don't know if you guys heard it. So <laughs> I, I was sitting here listening. You heard it? No, I didn't. Oh, okay, good. I, I, I guess I could have avoided uh, bringing that up then. But my dog <laughs> is just sitting in my face looking at me whining like, <laughs> like now I'm I on a video, man. That's <laughs> no respect. Come on. <laughs> right. Like, come on, man. Don't you hear this order we're talking about right now? That's funny. You got to love animals. You got to love animals. Yeah. We have a we have a hamster like we only have three parakeets and a hamster, <clears throat> no dogs, no cats, and uh, I we have a cage that he the hamster has been in for a while and he goes on his wheel and Jason I've never seen a creature, he's got to be running like three marathons a day on that thing, he just never stops. So Julie <laughs> yeah Julie looked it up and she's like why is he doing this? Well apparently I don't know if it's out of boredom and they just don't know how to stop but they'll just go on it forever until they die. Sometimes they just die in that thing. And so she's like, well, oh. I don't want him to die. So I was looking for a new cage last night. I bought one. It was on sale or something. And I get it home and the thing's like half the size of his other cage. It's real small. It's just not going to work. So I put that up on Marketplace to try to get rid of it. And I ordered one, um, a big wood cage for him now. So hopefully he's got more things to do and he won't spend all his time on that wheel. Because <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. I, I'm just thinking, gosh, I wish I had half of that energy. Like, And maybe I could hook it up to my electrical generator. And he could just like keep the house like heated and, and lit during the winter. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, let crazy. me know when you get that one yeah. on there. I, I, genius mastermind you. I would love to see that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Maybe I could wire something up. Yeah, I don't know. All yeah, right, bro. man. So what do you say we get into the word here? Let's do it. Amen. You want to pray right now and then we'll uh we'll, we'll get into it? Sure, let's do yeah, so. Let's, do, let's that. do so. Heavenly Father, we just praise your name, Lord. We thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for another day that you have made. 
and we will rejoice in it, Father, as we are on air sharing your word and, and reading your word, Father, we pray that your spirit, Lord, would go forth in the hearts and minds of those who hear, that your presence, Lord, would be here with us, Lord, when two or three are gathered. You are there in the midst, Father, and we thank you that we can come together on Insight for Living, Lord, and bless your name and give honor to your name with your word, Lord. Help us understand it. Help us speak it with uh, clarity, Father, and help us um, just be ambassadors of it, Lord, as we go about our daily lives. And we pray that you would bless all those who hear it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, bro. All right. You. So let's get into it. Uh, here we are. First Peter chapter 3. Now, we did finish chapter 2 the last time we read. We did. Yes, we okay. did. Okay. Yep. Seems odd going into chapter three right now. Yeah, we, I know. I know. We got we got a little rush at the end, but we did finish it out. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. All uh, right. You, want, let's you start. want to read, or you want me to read? It's up to you. Uh, I'll start off. All right. Since I'm, yeah. All right. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Right, are we going more, or are we going to discuss that? Uh, well, I'm just reading, Elizabeth G. said the volume is too low. Uh, Michael, is it too low? I've got everything cranked up high, so I don't know why it would be low. Uh let me just double check. Unless my volume is low, are they saying I'm speaking lower? I I can hear you loud and clear, and all my yeah, all my systems volume is cranked way up. Uh, let me just make sure. Yeah, everything's up there. I'm cranked up here on my uh, OBS. My mic's turned. Man, my mic's turned way up. I'm surprised they can't hear me. Uh, Michael, five by five. That's weird. You can, you can hear me good, right, Chase? I hear you fine. All right, let me just check. Let me check one more thing here. Let me see if the Zoom volume's turned up. Not at all. Her volume must be okay. So, all right, so we're we're good. So her volume must have been the problem. Okay, that's that's good to know. <laughs> she okay. Got, she got a little frustrated. She said she's out of here. So <laughs> sorry, Liz. Liz. <laughs> I get it. I, I've been watching shows and it gets frustrating when the things aren't okay. Excellent. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it, bro. Okay, uh, yeah, so you want to go over that, Chase? You want to discuss what we just read? Hopefully that wasn't the enemy coming in trying to get her from not hearing this uh, particular chapter I, about why. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of why I try to get ahead of the curve. Uh, so, okay, now I'm nervous that the sound's going to go out or something. Okay, uh, so 
Yeah, so likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, mm -hmm. so that even if some uh, do not obey the word, they may be one. So, it, you know, Jason, have you ever witnessed that in your walk? Mm -hmm. Have you seen where either a husband or a wife, they're unequally yoked. The husband maybe is, you know, following Christ with all his heart, but the wife is, you know, kind of wayward mm -hmm. or, or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And have you ever seen that the behavior of one, one of the spouses uh, won the other one to Christ? Um... I don't know if, oh, you know what? I technically do have a testimony about that or a situation where a sister in our church, um, her, name, her name is Joanne and her husband, they were married for probably 30, 40 years, possibly, maybe longer than that. Um, but she had been faithful at coming to church and praying and just been a faithful woman of God. And in the last years of her husband's life, and it took literally 30, 40 years. Um, again, I wish I had the exact amount, but the point was, is that she would pray for him and we would pray for him. And she would send uh, prayer requests for her husband all the time. And he had got sick, you know, with his health and certain things. But anyway, long story short, her his last year and a half of his life, uh, I believe, he came to know the Lord. And it was an amazing testimony because he actually came to the church and um, spoke that testimony, gave his life, got baptized, everything. And so, and it was because of his wife, he gave all the credit uh, mostly to his wife for her behavior and her faithfulness in the Lord. And so that was an amazing testimony. I knew him personally. Um, and I've also heard um, of a, a story. Um, I think you may have heard it on uh, what is that show with um, the the show that's on the radio? We have it here in Detroit. Um, oh, Family Life. Family Life, yeah. Mm -hmm. Think uh, Family Life. Who was that? Who's the guy that? Does yeah, that? it's Doc, James Dobson started it. Um, Dobson, yeah. yeah, but I can't remember the other. Did guys. you ever hear that testimony that I, the young lady gave? I didn't. No. Okay. Mm -mm. So this lady's husband kicked her out of the house. He was so mad at her one day and made her stay outside for one night. And I'm cutting the story short for sake of time, but uh, her reaction to him putting her out the house was an amazing testimony of God. So anyway, they, they and I guess they used to argue all the time, but this was kind of like the last straw moment where he got mad at her and kicked her out the house, right? So she spent the night in the backyard. And I'm not sure, I can't remember if it was super cold or whatever, but either way, she, she lived obviously, and she came in, he opened the door, the next morning and he said now he basically told her have you learned your lesson and she walked in the door with a smile on her face and said honey what would you like me to cook you for breakfast wow oh my gosh oh my <laughs> can God. you imagine bro? no no like <laughs> and he he's basically as he's opening the door she has a smile on her face and says that he's basically giving her that bewildered look like <laughs> As she walks by and goes to cook her breakfast, right? And, she's, and his words were, I guess at some point, she told this testimony. Both of them told the testimony on the uh, adoption show. He said, um, what God is this that you serve? And whoever it is, I want to I know him. And that wow. was the testimony. That's and crazy. So that blew my mind. So That's... I tell that testimony to any woman who's putting up with some, you know, some particular persecution. By her. Wow. It was an amazing testimony. That is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Ann said that's her story. So, Michelle, did you did you win your husband or did he win you? I'd like to know that. Yeah, I, I, it's 
I think that happens a lot. Uh, I know in my own marriage, I mean, I came to Christ first, and Julie thought I was off my rocker for, for a couple of years. And to be honest, I wasn't the best Christian because <clears throat> I was so enamored by his grace, his grace and mercy on me, but I didn't extend it to anybody else. I was just in their face with the, <laughs> with the gospel. I was very, very brash, and, and it wasn't good. <clears throat> and I'm surprised most of those people are still around and like me. Um but they were very patient I with me. I mean, you yeah. were that way with me when I met you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I I was. It wasn't that I wasn't telling the truth. I was, but it was just. It was not in love. It was very like hard, and it. I'm ashamed and embarrassed of it, and had to repent. But, and it hurt my wife. Um, but, you know, she saw that once I did change. I God actually literally spoke to me one morning when I was praying because I was praying for Him to change her. <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up changing me, so that was the best thing that ever happened. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay, trying to win him. Gotcha, Michelle. Yep, gotcha. Yeah, it's, that's why you know our behavior is so important, if, if, because otherwise we're just hypocrites. We're just like the world. If, we don't, if we're not different, then how, how would anybody even know we're a Christian? I mean, if, if you're acting just like them, I, I'm sorry, but you know, it's, it's, you're not fooling anybody, especially God. So, you know, I'm, it, I think it's extremely important that our behavior and our words, uh, everything's got to be done in love, obviously. And that, that example you just gave is an amazing testimony of, I mean, how in the world you're out like a, like he, like you're the dog. He puts you outside. I mean, give me a break. And then, you know, total disrespect. And yet she's freezing and comes in the morning and says, I'm going to cook you breakfast. And, not even a word to him like why'd you lock me out or that's ridiculous or i'm leaving you but instead says no 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 i'm gonna i mean god must have really been speaking to her heart because i mean whew, that's i don't know if i could i could do that man i don't know yeah. i mean she the lord was ministering to her uh, while she was outside or she really had put the word of god in her and learned you know i mean that's something that's written in scripture to tell us how to respond to in situation like that mm -hmm. but to act on it and to have it in there to respond in that moment is 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 an amazing testimony to the faith of that individual. And so these are practical life application scenarios that you have to apply, which is the word of God in your life. And so um, it's one thing is I believe on Jesus is another thing to I'm following Jesus in every trial and situation that I have in my life to obey the commandment of God. And, you know, God gives us grace. And when we do fall in those scenarios, God, you know, he, he forgives us, obviously, when we when we um, understand those things. But to act on those things in that trial, it's almost as if, you know, um, like Peter, when Peter was about to be put to death, you were with Jesus. Says, no, I don't know the man. I tell you the <laughs> truth. You know, it's like, OK, you these scenarios come up when fear comes which is what her husband did to her. She tried to put fear in her and teach her a lesson through fear. She still responded with grace and, and the commandments of God. So that's an amazing testimony. And we, you know, we, we ought to be seeking to do the same in every area of our life. So, well, the amazing thing is she actually submitted to her husband as, as the word saying, even though he wasn't a believer, she was still submitting. She understood the authority that her husband had in their relationship. And, you know, I, that's another thing with the authority. Like, it's not like you we use the authority to abuse the privilege. The, in fact, we're going to get into it here in a second, reading a little further what, what it's expected of the man. 
And I and that's, you know, laying down your life for your wife and your family. So, you know, it's not like God just said, okay, men are going to rule the planet and, you know, everybody's going to be subject to them. No, that's just not how it works in his in his uh, order of things. So let me flip back here. Yeah, a lot okay. of women see that passage. Um, and, and I don't, you know, it's funny because it really deals with the heart of the individual. Um, the word of God has so many instructions for us to obey um, as far as practical family, husbands, wives, children, um, and as we'll get into, obviously. Um, but it's just to be in that vice grip, so to speak, or that pressure under that scenario when your emotions are running high, when you're under your feelings and, you know, your, your first natural reaction is to defend yourself or to state your case, whatever the situation may be. And for her to operate under the word of God in that scenario is just, it's a testimony of the faithfulness of God and him showing us a way out because he's also, she's also being tempted at that same time <laughs> to respond in a way that isn't under the authority of her husband. So True. praise God. I had a, I had a brother in Christ when I was really young in my faith. And he says, next time you argue with your wife and you're in a heated argument, grab her hands, hold her hands, look her in the eye and say, honey, I love you. He says, and you'll know where you are in your faith. <laughs> it's right. like, oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's pretty right. tough. Pretty tough. Yeah. You know, once you're emotionally wrapped up in it, it's really hard to get out of that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the next, it says uh, in verse 3, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be hidden, be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight, is very precious. Now, Jason, does that mean, are we going to be so legalistic that that means women shouldn't adorn themselves, they shouldn't try to make themselves look beautiful for their husbands? Um, or or is this something that Paul's, or not Paul, I always say that, Peter is equating with the the person inside is the person that God is renewing. That's that's the part of you that has become new. That's that's the part we're working on daily. The flesh is going to be the flesh. We're, we fight the flesh. We resist the flesh. We kill the flesh daily. But that inner person is in in the woman is such a um, especially in a woman is very gentle. It's very quiet. It's very peaceful. Um, where you know men were kind of like let's you know let's go out and let's kill the animal and bring it home to eat and we're ready to you know we're ready to lift the thousand pounds or whatever but a woman's more like subdued and i think peter's saying he he and he goes on he says um for this is how the holy women who hoped in god used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as sarah obeyed abraham calling him lord so I think that's that's what Peter's getting at here. And there's other passages. I think it's in 1 Corinthians talking about something, the similar thing, where he's not saying you can't go out and look beautiful. God made you beautiful inside and out. But the in, the inner woman is the part that God's examining. That's the part that he's using um, in your marriage, in your relationships, because that inner person is who you are. It's not, it's not that what you look like. You know, as much as we live in a society that wants to make you know prop women up as sex objects everywhere you look i mean literally everywhere you look um those women are being abused for their looks their looks are temporary they're not going to look that way forever you know we're all going to get old if you if god graces you with a long life you're going to get old and you can fight it and you can get surgeries and all that stuff but you're you're just not 
it, that's not what it's about. It's that inner person. Um, Absolutely. Got anything to oh, add to that, bro? Yeah. Um, the scriptures here is, I believe, Paul is is talking. I'm sorry, Peter is uh, describing a matter of prioritizing the heart, um, prioritizing the inner being, as you said, the inner woman. And he says, not a, being not adorned with these things. And he's he's not necessarily saying that you cannot adorn yourselves for your husband in this manner. Um, what I believe, because he, he mentioned braided hair, we know that braided hair in and of itself isn't a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he's dealing with is matters of motivation, intention, even insecurities. A lot of women dress themselves up because they're insecure. Um, some of, I mean, when I'm saying dress themselves up, I mean the makeup and all the, we can look at Hollywood and the image that Hollywood is trying to make all women look at, right? And we see that as what we see on TV, the lustful, the adorned in beauty, the outward appearances of a woman's body. And Paul is, I mean, Peter is saying here that the motivations of the heart uh, should be the issue, the gentle and quiet spirit. Um, did, you hear, did you hear that? <laughs> did you yes, hear that? yes, I heard that. Okay. I thought it was it sounded like Jabba the Hutt back there or something. <laughs> Maybe he's hungry. Well, he's a little emotional. He likes attention. Put him on. Put him on the screen. Put him on the screen. So put him on the screen. Yeah, let's oh see, see what he looks like. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. <laughs> Good boy. Good boy. Hey, Brave. Say hi, Brave. His name is Brave too. Brave. Right, and then there's Bella over here. Oh, you got two. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's over here wanting my attention right now. It's so. funny. All of a sudden, he got quiet. He got camera shy or something. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Um, and the, the funny thing is my girl dog over here, she's being chill. And it's the boy. <laughs> right. right. Maybe she's listening oh. to the scripture. And she's winning him over right now <laughs> with her right, behavior. Right. <laughs> Probably. Wait. <laughs> yeah. Um back to what we were saying um yeah so uh if you could put that scripture up again brother so i can uh look at it i just wanted to uh go over it yeah um she says do not let your adorning right so he's talking about the outward appearances but i I think he's also speaking of the motivations of why um you're, you're doing certain things uh he says but let the adorning be the hidden person of the heart and with the empirical beauty of a gentle of, of a gentle spirit and quiet a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So um, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says that it's better to dwell on the rooftop than it is with a contentious woman. Hmm. So this scripture is talking about a woman with a gentle and quiet spirit, and the motivation of her heart is to please her husband and to help be a helpmeet to her husband and honor him in every way that she can. And that proverb scripture that talks about a contentious woman is, you know, we've seen those, we've seen, I think we've probably seen more, well, I've seen, I don't know, I've seen many uh, contentious women in my day. Um, Careful. <laughs> hey, I'm not naming names, I'm just saying. <laughs> but uh, my wife is not one of them, by the way. Yeah, so I know, I know your wife. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I agree, though, in society, like every woman you see on TV, you know, if it's the Hollywood wives, all those, you know, wives shows, whatever's on and mm-hmm. and, and uh, any um, 
like Cardi B, you know, these, these big rap artists and all that, they're always contentious, always. Mm-hmm. I mean, they mm-hmm. are, they are very, uh, gosh, I would almost equate them to, um, almost like very masculine in a, in a weird way. I mean, they show off their femininity, but, but their inner person is very masculine, which is, you know, obviously it's the op- opposite of what we're talking about here. So that's kind of strange. Right. Well, they, they also, many of them also have another spirit in them. So, I mean, you know, the enemy inside of them, because of what they've given into, uh, wants to project his image. So that spirit is going to be anything that is opposite of the word of God. It's not going to be gentle and quiet. It's going to be loud, rude, you know, clamorous, all these things. It's just, they're just not godly women. Um, and so this, this scripture here is discussing, um, saved women, women that do believe on the Lord. And so, um, and you can have those type of women even in the church still as, you know, you haven't allowed the the word of God to renew your mind or you, you've, I've seen so many women in the church that want to take authority over their husband, you know what I mean? In some of these churches and be the, the masculine side because their husband maybe not is in the word or because he acts not according to the scripture, they have to take on that persona according to themselves and so that's equally error mm-hmm. you know so michael the scripture not a lot of women especially a lot of women in uh leadership positions that want to be pastors they don't want to they don't really like the scripture <laughs> so oh well it's, the scripture uh, says what it says and it means what it means it, that's that's <laughs> amen to that uh michael said uh they are whores using their bodies and outward appearance for financial gain maybe that was too harsh <laughs> no i don't yeah i think you're right man i mean <clears throat> it, they're, they're getting paid for it and getting paid very well uh hey, in their music they call themselves or that's right and, that's yeah 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 i you're right though i mean they're, these people you know they're demonically possessed we all know that i mean if, if you've watched any of that uh of uh ex ministry series on uh on rap you you understand what's going on behind the scenes um and then uh mike's wife mandy said uh I am embarrassed as a woman that they are propped up. That isn't womanhood, absolutely, hundred percent. It you should women should be embarrassed of that, and they should be calling it out, you know. But no, I don't see any feminist group ever going against that narrative ever. Supposedly, they're they're you know the defenders of womanhood, and not one time do they ever come to that defense. Or will they come to the defense of what about all the female babies that are being killed? Do they matter? Apparently not. Um, Human trafficking, same thing. It's just you can go on and on with that list. They don't care. Well, what about what about the the, the men that are dressing up as women winning <laughs> winning beauty contests? That's a I great. Mean, winning as a man. Great like, point. Where is the feminist that? You know what I'm saying? Or, they need or, to be or in athletics, winning at athletic events. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Jason, did you see that that swimmer? I mean, he beat the record by like 38 seconds. I was I couldn't believe it. He just demolished the win. <laughs> How embarrassing! Like, how, if I'm a parent, can you imagine being a parent? You've you've put all your time and effort going to all the practices, all the workouts, all the extracurricular stuff to become very competitive in whatever you're good at, whatever the sport is, and you finally get to the point where you're trying to get them a, a college, you know, scholarship or something, and and all of a sudden you're up against some guy, some dude that's six foot two, you know, built like a, like a brick house. <laughs> You got to try to beat this guy, you know, in a swimming. Like it's ridiculous. It's so unbelievable. And just like I, that's a such a great point. That, that where are they? How come they're not defending these women? Like it's it's so hypocritical. 
Yeah. You brought yeah. up a good point about prioritizing. That's what I, I couldn't think of the word, but when you said I was like, ah, that's the word I was kind of trying to look for. It is a priority. A woman's made a priority. He, God's saying, prioritize what's important. If you if you're gonna say you follow me, then this I this is what I require of women. And he's gonna tell us what he requires of us. And that should be the priority in our heart, not what we want to do. Although that's the instinct, you know, our natural instinct. That's what we're gonna always fight against. But uh, that's how you, I think that's a good indication you're in Christ. That's, <laughs> thank you. I, I'm glad he agrees. <laughs> that was right on cue. It was perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me let him out real quick. All right. All right. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's funny. Great. Come on now. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, Mandy. I, I know you're obviously a sister in Christ. Have you ever had to wrestle with this? I'd like to know. I, I know um, my wife has no problem with this stuff. Like, it doesn't bother her at all. But I know there are strong, strong women out there that might be offended by this because maybe they've, they just don't understand. Uh, and I'm talking about Christian women, not, not secular women. Of course, they're going to be like that. But I'm wondering how many Christian women actually do not like this passage. Um, I, I I don't think I've ever heard a woman that really follows Jesus argue this point. I, I don't think I have personally. Have you, Jason? Uh, I, I don't think I have either. I can't recall right now, to be honest, if that has happened. Um, I know that there have been. And, and I'll, I mean, I know that there are, whether they say outwardly that they don't like this passage is one thing. I, I don't think I've ever heard a woman say that, but having a woman struggle with this passage, like I'm sure a lot do. And even my wife and I, when we've gotten to this point uh, in certain Bible studies, and we've talked about this, my wife will testify that she's had problems with this in a sense of every aspect that it, that comes to it, whether it be, you know, us and her having, I mean, her and I having a disagreement about mm -hmm. something or, you know, I mean, my wife and I, we, we grew up in high school together and we were friends obviously before we got married but we we joke a lot we 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 sometimes rag on each other a little bit well at least not so much now as much as we used to but you know there were growing issues and then when the word of god hits you in your face and like well wait a minute if i'm joking about this or if mm -hmm. i'm uh, not submitting in this particular area or if i'm mad at my husband for whatever reason you know even that um I think a lot of times we we get convicted and that's what the word of god is for is to convict us when we are in error and um so yeah my wife would say that she's you know in her in her women's uh meeting sometimes she'd say yeah there were, there were times when i had issues with this now it's been a blessing that the word of god can correct her in that area and and me also you know what i mean like husbands love your wives as christ loved the church like, oh man how can i love my wife in such a matter <laughs> You know, and so well, we haven't gotten there yet, but, you know, there's there's conviction for all of us. And um, if we're honest and transparent with ourselves, we'll, we'll agree that, yeah, sometimes the word of God is hard, but it's still the truth. I just said that the other night. I said it's just because it's hard or I disagree with it in some points doesn't make me smarter than God. <laughs> so, I, right. you know, I, I have to say at some point I got to look in the mirror and say, okay, are you right or is God right? I mean, so, I, mm -hmm. and, and that just settles the argument. Uh, Mandy said, not really. I struggled more with the ministry part, but reading, uh, but reading the word, I got over it quickly, LOL. My mother wasn't a great example on being a submissive wife, but my Nana was an excellent example. She is the one who led me to Christ. Cool. Very cool. 
Um, I pray, and then Mike Thank said, God for praying grandmothers, right? Absolutely. Amen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's so much power in, 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 I don't like the matriarchy and, and patriarchy in the family, like praying, like I, I pray over my grandkids and I don't have any yet. Like I've already <laughs> declared that they're going to prosper, that they're going to know the Lord, that they're going to walk in his ways. Like, so I'm already kind of like what, you know, Abraham, God told me he's going to be blessed as the, as the, you know, the stars in the sky. Um, right. and he didn't see any of that. So I'm kind of declaring the same thing and it's not the word of faith type stuff. I mean, I'm just, I'm declaring God's decrees over my family. I don't, I want them to not struggle with some of the things I've struggled with or have the same vices, you know, and things like that. So Amen. my Nana was the Proverbs 31 wife. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Mike said, I pray that I never become too sure if my own conclusions in my own conclusions that I argue with the word. Yeah. It, and I don't think, um, I think if we're walking with Christ, of course, we're going to, you know, question God sometimes. It's just natural. We're just going to be like, well, I don't get it. I don't understand why it had to happen that way or why you allowed that. Because we don't see the end from the beginning. So in our in our natural human ways, in our, in our sinful nature, we're going to lean on our own understanding sometimes instead of his. But I think at the end of the day, all of us who are truly in him, we, we repent of that and just say, Lord, your ways are not mine, but... I trust you anyway. You know, and what is that in, in Job? I, you, though you slay me, I still, uh, what's that scripture? Though you slay me, I still walk in your ways or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. You slay me, I will serve him or something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move on here. Verse seven. Hmm. Can you see it? Likewise. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. We got to stop there and, and at least discuss that, because I think that's something that a lot of people miss. Um, the Bible tells us that, you know, a lot of times I hear people talking about prayer that they prayed to God and they haven't heard anything or they prayed to God and they didn't receive it. And, and it's true. Sometimes God says no. And, but there's times where, as Peter here is telling us that our prayers can be hindered, that God will not receive our prayers. Um, because our relationships with our wives is very important husbands and vice versa. So when you have ought or you have beef or you have, uh, you know, an argument with your wife or you, let's say you go days, right? The scripture says, um, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And so let's go, let's say you're like some couples that will go days, sometimes weeks without talking about the issue that you had. You just wake up and you don't discuss it. No one says, I'm sorry. No one and then sometimes you're all, you're operating still in ought against one another. You're walking around not talking to one another. These things will hinder your prayer. You can go to God separately and say, you know what, God, Lord, help me with my job. As many men of us are concerned with certain things that go on in our job or help me. And yet you haven't dealt with your wife yet. You haven't talked with your wife. You haven't made right with your wife yet. And God is not most likely not going to answer your prayers. The Bible says that it will hinder them. Um, the scripture says that, um, there's another scripture in the Bible that says, if you are there standing at your altar 
and you realize that you have ought against a brother, he says, leave your altar there, leave your offering at the gift at the altar and go be made right with your brother. In other words, don't worry about trying to make this sacrifice to God right now. We want you to get right with your brother because the Bible says, how can you love God who you haven't seen if you don't love the very brother you have seen? And this is also even more so applicable in your household husband because you two are one. And so you must make sure that you and your husband or you and your wife are are at least speaking and not having all against one another. Even if your husband isn't saved, you want to be in a position to be under his authority wife. Or if your wife isn't saved, you want to be in position to love her still. Um, and you don't want to have beef between each other because that could hinder your prayer. Yeah, well said. Yeah, and I've, I've experienced that. I know that. Where I've just tried to ignore that because you're so angry inside or so disappointed. <laughs> And, um, I've been there. No, oh, man. I think all, I mean, if we're really being honest, I think everybody's pretty much been there. I mean, you know, in a marriage, there's going to be, uh, disagreements. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, I think as you, the longer you're in Christ, though, you start to put away your own selfish desires in that marriage, things that don't matter to, like, I, I've often said, like, if it comes down to the health of my children, I think that's a hill I'm going to die on. You know, if my wife is, you know, you know, if, if she says, oh, oh, you know, they're fine and, you know, um, he's bleeding profusely, <laughs> I might have a problem with that. Okay. So, but in the, you know, general life, if we have a little disagreement on the way we decorate our house or the color of the paint you use, or I mean, like, who, you know, like, what does that matter at the end of the day? You know, right. so right. Um, that's something I also had to learn, by the way, like, you know, as someone that remodels homes, I just thought I was always going to be the right making the decisions. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I have... I have fully submitted that over to her now. Like I have zero things to say about uh, uh, the house we live in. So, um, which I don't mind anymore. It doesn't bother me at all. And it makes her happy. And I like seeing my wife happy. I like her having you know, uh, peace inside her, knowing that her husband approves of the decision she's making. You know, I didn't see it that way always. I was very bullheaded in some things. Um, and it's, it's embarrassing to say, but I, I just want to be honest with the audience because I think all of us have something that we hold on to and you when you at the end of the day you look at it and you're like well wait a minute is it really worth holding on to like is it is it going to make or break something you know is it do or die it's no usually it's something small it means nothing but it might mean something to the other person um Absolutely. and and that's not even not even just a marriage in any relationships you have i mean especially in marriage but but it's even in you know work relationships or whatever or or you know if you have someone, if you're a, uh, a boss and you have someone working for you, treat them with respect, mm -hmm. you know, and it, that just goes a long way. Yeah. Pick your battles, Michelle. Yeah. hundred percent. And uh CDP for JC, good friend of us, uh, said uh, in one accord. Yeah. You know, uh, remember, yeah. When the, that's a good point. When the uh, disciples were in one accord, look what happened. A lot of Absolutely. good stuff happened. Absolutely. Yeah. And it boils down to our, our self-centered, our self-centered nature. Uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, sin, period, that's sin nature. And I think us being selfish or self-centered, a lot of times there's a thing called deference and we defer to our spouses when it comes to those things that are, you know, trivial or meaningless, or as we say, um, like you just said, it could mean something great to her, you know what I mean? As, as the as the wife, she might want the house a certain color and you're like, oh, I don't know. I'm the same way now, bro. I'm like, 
whatever color you want it, babe, you go ahead and and then have it have it your way. You know what I mean? I don't care. Doesn't matter. I really don't. Well, this is polka dot or yeah, or maybe. Something. <laughs> you know, do like <laughs> but whatever, you know, um, I've learned to um, show deference and show love to my wife in that way, and and it truly doesn't matter. It really doesn't. But again, these are things that has to be learned. Um, I know in the first, I mean, we've been married 23 years, and uh, the funny thing is, the testimony that we have is that it's gotten greater every year instead of worse. It's like it's the epitome of what <laughs> we look like as we grow in our marriage. We just love one another even more. So, but it wasn't like that in the beginning. You know, we had a love for one another and a consideration for one another, but we would butt heads a little bit more often. And now it's like, you know, we, we don't. So it's a blessing. I think when you come to the end of yourself, that's when you really have the humility that Jesus had. I mean, if you really, Jesus is the only person that ever walked this earth that could have done whatever he wanted in his righteousness, and it would have been good and right. And we're, we don't come close to that. I mean, not by a long stretch, but, but like, I know, like, the more I walk in Christ and the closer I draw to him, the more I do love my wife, the more I do love, you know, my family, and the more I do things right and not wrong, um, not that I'm, I don't sin, of course I'm sinning, but I, I quickly understand I'm sinning now. Like where before you'd kind of brush it off and say, well, you know, it's no big deal. You just, I don't know. There's this maturity that comes in your faith and you know, I'm, I don't know. I think I'm approaching 20 years in the faith right now and 24 years of marriage. And I think, you know, it, there's just a much more respect between me and my wife now than there ever has been. And I'm just excited to see what the next 10 years bring, you know, how much closer we get in the next 10 because of that just mutual respect and understanding God's first, you know, first when I did come to Christ and, Ju and Julie wasn't, um, she was very, very jealous of the relationship I had with God and understandably. So, I mean, now she understands it, you know, from, from the perspective as a Christian, but if you're not a Christian and your husband's cheating on you, you know, with God, she was very jealous of that because I was talking to him, you know, a hundred times more than I was talking to her. I was ignoring her and paying attention to him. So it looks like I'm being an adulterer. Mm -hmm. She understands it now, but I didn't have, I, but I was so young in my faith. I didn't understand that. And I thought, well, this is what I'm supposed to do and see. And I, right. I, I just disregarded her emotions and her feelings and, and shoved them aside. And that was terrible, you know, absolute terrible thing to do. Well, the funny thing is, ironically though, you may have not understood it at the time and not knowing what uh, God had in the, in the in the latter end, so to speak, of what was coming in your relationship. I mean, we are, um, the Bible talks about that with the same thing with Israel, that God provoked them to jealousy um, using us as believers, um, having that relationship with God too. So it's supposed to provoke someone to jealousy so that they could consider God and, and consider themselves and in, in that uh, scenario, you know, now maybe the way you were going about trying to win her over to Christ was a little, <laughs> you know, or, you know, sometimes forceful, but, you know, if you could have loved her uh, in that same way without being that way, um, she, that jealousy that she still would have had would have, and has seemed seemingly that it has provoked her to want another relationship with God, want to further her relationship with God because of your faithfulness to God. Yeah. You know, now we, 
we can act silly sometimes and be a little, hey, you need to accept Jesus now too, babe. You know, we do silly things sometimes, but, um, you know, the, the, the goal is to provoke them jealousy so that they will want God as well. Um, I remember when Christy and I, we, um, when, when she, when we got married, her thing, she grew up Catholic and um, her thing was wanting to get our kids because we had a combined family. We were like the, um, the Black Brady Bunch, right? She had two kids. <laughs> I had two kids. That we had two. <laughs> did you have a? Did you have an Alice? No, we didn't have an Alice. We weren't like I said. We were the Black Brady Bunch, okay. so we didn't. <laughs> we couldn't afford a maid, no. <laughs> oh my gosh! Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, she kind of provoked me to <laughs> to, um, to sh- her thing was, you know what? I was actually back- backslidden at the time, uh, a little while further in, and um, she wanted to take the kids to church. And so she says, well, you know, we need to go to church. And so she she was going to take the kids to Catholic church. And, I, and I'm in my mind, I'm like, oh, no, you're not going to do that. You know, like, <laughs> I've been to Catholic church before. We're not going to Catholic church. So that kind of made me get back right and say, well, I'm going to start going to a church uh, that I'm familiar with. And lo and behold, that was uh, kind of like our start in our marriage, even though I had got saved a year or two prior. But um yeah, it was something how that kind of provoked me and said, "Well, wait a minute, you're not taking, we're not taking our kids to Catholic church. We're gonna, we're gonna go back to a church that I'm comfortable with and the Word of God." Obviously. Praise God. You know, I, I think I tried to bully Julie into being a Christian. You know, I was like, "Ah, gosh, I was so harsh. Like just the words I used, and and I don't know. I, I, I hate myself thinking about the past. Like there's so many things. I'm like, Lord, how did you suffer with me? <laughs> like how did you right. just?" I mean, and I, that's what I, I, I just feel so thankful that he was patient with me and that he saw yes. I was going to work it out at some point with his, with mm. him helping me, you know, but, um, everybody loved your comment, by the way, which comment <laughs> about Alice and not being able to afford it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that was great. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Um, so, you know, it says, uh, in verse seven, it said, likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. So the weaker vessel, um, I think that's, I think that's just an obvious statement. I mean, physically, obviously women, um, just don't have the, the same muscle structure, bone structure we have, but even spiritually, I think women, women can be warriors in the spirit. And I, and I, and men can be warriors in the spirit. And this is where I think that equality can actually, uh, come in. And I hate that word equality because it's been so skewed in our, you know, the way people use it now. But I think that's kind of like the uh, level playing field that in the spirit, we're all one. There's, there's no male or female in the spirit. It's, it's, it's this closeness to God, this relationship with him and understanding the spiritual authority you have as a believer. And I mean, there's some amazing women who are uh, intercessors, like teams of women that are just intercessors. And I mean, you talk about warriors. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's something that a woman could really look to and say, well, yeah, you know, I am strong in the spirit. Maybe my emotions are a little weaker than you know him, or maybe um, physically I'm a little weaker. But in the spirit, man, I'm a warrior. Well, I mean, you can, you can see that in scripture, actually. I mean, look at the women, look at the people who stayed by Christ after he died. It was a woman, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to make any 
specific declarations about those things. But in general, generally speaking, women seem to be faithful, more faithful to the Lord in many areas. Um, and so in that sense, they're strong, but they're still the weaker vessel. Um, and so, I mean, I don't feel the need to um, justify any societal uh, <laughs> differences or things that society is doing in the kingdom, we have an order and we have the right perspective and we are to be on one accord with these things. And we don't, men don't in the kingdom of God anyway, they don't look at women any less than uh, from our perspective uh, as a man, uh, we shouldn't. Um, we look at them as Christ said, as our sisters or our mothers, Jesus even said, now Jesus was the king and the creator, he said, who are my mothers and my brothers? Mm -hmm. You know, he says, anyone who does the will of the father. So he humbled himself in that statement alone, saying that who are my my brothers, my mother, my sister? You know, he's given himself, giving these people authority or uh, not authority, but giving these people uh, credibility in his life, saying, who are my mother? Jesus, your mother and your, 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 your mother and your brothers are looking for you. Well, who are my mother and my brothers? You know what I mean? And so our elder brother, Jesus Christ, has shown us that even himself, you know, he wants us to be one with him on every area. And we are to be the sons of God operating under the authority of the word of God. And so we are to view our brothers, our sisters, the women in Christ, um, our wives as ourselves. And we're not looking down on ourselves. We're not uh, trampling on ourselves. We are to love our wives as Christ loved the church and as ourselves. And this is how God wants us to look at it. Now, again, these per perspectives take a while to gain and understand and grow in maturity. And as we grow in Christ, we're to be sanctified and we're to be submitted to the word of God. But it takes time. It, it's not, I want to I want to say this, the only thing I, I guess I feel like um, justifying or putting a uh, disclaimer on, so to speak, is that if you are falling short in these things, if you're watching and you're falling short in these things, it's okay. The Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times, but rises up again. <laughs> so, sorry. I'm sorry. And so, see, am I going to lose? Am I going to lose another co-host? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, what was I talking about? The memes? Or what, what were we saying? Like, <laughs> <clears throat> this is why I could never be a pastor. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's get back at this here. <clears throat> all right, finish this out here in uh, chapter uh, three, please. Starting at eight? Yep. Okay. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whosoever desire to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him speak peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against all, against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? 
But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and with respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile you, your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. All right. Excellent. Back up to eight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, let me just switch over so the audience can see it. Uh, finally, all of you, <clears throat> excuse me, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Um, boy, we live in a day and age when I think there's a lot of people that are seeking revenge in their heart right now. Maybe not outwardly, but I think inwardly, just with what's going on with the government, with what's going on with, even in the church. I mean, the church is just, there's a lot of bad things going on in the church right now. And I, I can see where that, in the heart, you know, you're thinking, I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm going to fix this situation. But as a Christian, that's, that's the restrainer. That's the thing. The Spirit is what's holding us back from doing those, because that's wicked and evil. Even, you know, I, I guess, you know, the Bible does say that um, we can defend ourselves, defend our family, right? If someone's attacking my wife, obviously I'm not going to stand by and go, oh, well, I guess this is, you know, what's going to, no, I'm going to do all I can to save my wife, even if it means laying down my life for her. Um, but that's different. That's not, that's not revenge or being vengeful. That's just being protective. That's being a guardian. And I think I've heard a lot of people, very patriotic people, maybe not necessarily Christians that they're, they're ready to like take back their country. Right. And that's just, it's going to be a bloodbath if that happens. That's, that's not the way to handle this. This is a spiritual war we're in, and that's the way it needs to be fought. And, no. and so I don't know, you know, what the, aside from being a Christian and giving your heart to, to the Lord Jesus, I don't know how you overcome that hateful bitterness and revenge inside of you. Um, because who are you going to give it to if you don't have Christ? You're going to have to somehow, that's going to have to come out of you eventually and it's not going to be pretty i mean where would you go with that if you don't have the lord um revenge is something um the cycle of revenge never ends um whether it, it doesn't matter who it's with um it's kind of like that old what was those two groups uh the, the hatfields and the mccoys right yeah, yeah they would always you know i mean and and just like the um the story of uh, the missionary group that went over into the uh, end of the spear. Remember that mm -hmm. um, where they went and yeah. the people, the indigenous tribes were killing each other off because one person would kill them. The other person would come back, kill them. The father was going to kill then The son would come back and kill there. I mean, it's an endless cycle um, through generations. Um, somebody has to end that cycle. Um, and so as Christians, we're called not to repay evil for evil because the Lord is the one that vengeance gives vengeance and his is justified. However, he choose to operate or um, to, to seek vengeance on any individual. God's vengeance is justified. 
in every scenario because he's the one who sees high. He's, he sees everything, both the beginning and the end. God knows if someone, if he can give that person time, if they will repent or not. He knows also that he, if he gives that person time and they won't repent and they'll be stubborn the rest of their life, God is the one that can give revenge. We can't, we don't see the beginning. I mean, we don't see the end of the matter. Um, in that regard, um, when the scripture is talking about to this, we are called, you know, people, I hear ministers, I hear pastors, everybody's always talking about a calling, right? This scripture actually speaks to a calling. And it's probably one of the most ignored scriptures in all the Bible when it comes to a calling, right? So when, when people say, oh, well, what's my calling? Jesus says, to this, you were called. So what are we called to? This scripture answers that. All you got to do is read the scripture over and over again. This is what we're called to. We're called to bless when we're reviled. We're called to not be not be contentious. We're called to not revile others when we're reviled. We're called to not gossip. We're called to not... All of these things we're called to be like Christ and be the light in. And so this is our calling. And I think, I mean, it's the Lord is kind of putting this on me strong now because it's like this is something we ignore quite a bit because we're always worried about our calling. What's our giftings? What I what are, what am I called to do in the body of quiet Christ? And he's saying it right here, this is one of the callings, if not probably the best calling. And you know why? If we were called to this and we took this on as a mantle as Christians. The world would not be able to blaspheme Christ the way it does. The world would not be able to accuse uh, the church. So many, some of these people with church hurt would not be able to keep this, hold on to this bitterness and unforgiveness in them if the church was called to these things and continued in them and took a mantle and say, this is what I'm called to. I'm called to not seek revenge. I'm called to not revile others. I'm called to not... All of these things. I mean, it's like that's our calling as Christians. Mm -hmm. And it's something simple. It's something that the world would perceive as weak, you know, and just like people perceive Jesus as weak and humble. And Jesus was humble and meek, but that meek is not weak. That meek is strength and humility. And Jesus was our perfect example. So we're called to be like Jesus in that matter. And that's our calling. And I think that should be said over and over uh, more often than not, because I take, I know I fail a lot of times to recall that in my own mind. And, um, and, you know, this, this helps my situation earlier <laughs> before we got on the air and the spirit of God is just moving, man. And this is what we're called to. So we have to respond in that manner to be like Christ more often. Well, I'll tell you what, if I didn't have the instruction of the Lord, I'd be a mess. <laughs> what a disaster I'd be like, just, just the simple, uh, deep truth right here is revolutionizing in a person's life. Um, you know, there's lots of people with anger issues and if, and I've seen it, I've seen it transform people inside out. They'll, they'll go to the word and it's just these, it changes them because they realize there's something greater than themselves. They don't have to rely on themselves. They don't have to rely on their emotional state of mind or whatever. They can give it to the Lord and let him work through them. Uh, CDP for JC. Thank you so much for the cookie brother. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, just be the body, be, be Christ-like, die to yourself. Yep. Amen. Amen. Amen to that. All right. Verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you are, but even if you are, why do I keep wanting to add an R to that? And it's weird. <laughs> but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear. 
Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense. We've read this already, by the way. To make a defense to anyone oh. who asked. We did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's all right. It's good to hear again. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot sure. to scroll down. Sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll skip to 18. Yeah. If you guys are following along. Um, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteousness, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but me, but being made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as removal of the dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having being subjected to him. You know, I, in the last uh, verse, it talks about, you know, be ready to give a defense to anyone uh, who asks you for the reason you have the, why you have the hope in you, why you believe in Jesus Christ. That's that, uh, you know, famous apologetics scripture there, the word apologia, which means to expound upon, to, to give an account, to, under, to give understanding to someone that might not have understanding, to be able to defend what you believe. I think that's so important because uh, a lot of Christians, immature Christians, and these could be Christians that have been around for 20 years. I've seen this. They're not very mature. Even though they've been in the faith 20 years, they just haven't matured. They're still on milk. And and when someone says, oh, why do you believe in the Lord? They're just like, the Lord is good. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. Like th that's, that's all true. But how is that going to win anybody to Christ? They're going to be like, okay, anybody can say that. Why do you believe? What is it? What's the reason you have that hope in you? And I don't know. I, there's just, to me, that's, that's a little irritating when you're, I understand it, a young Christian, I get it. But as you mature, I think it's, it should be required. You know, a good church is going to disciple its, its um, congregants and into understanding how to defend your faith, give you good reasons to defend your faith. Because if you can't, if you can't even go to your own family and someone asks you, why do you believe how are you going to win them? It's just not going to, I mean, your behavior is a good thing. That's a good start. But I, at some point you're going to have a conversation with this person. They're going to want to know the deeper truths. Uh, my brother-in-law is a good, a, a, you know, this is a great example of this. I mean, his name's Ryan, but um, you know, four years ago, I, he's been with my sister now, I don't know, 15 years or whatever. But um, in the beginning he was an atheist. Then he became an agnostic. Now he's a believer. Like I saw the progression, I saw him seeking truth and I would always just kind of give him little bits and pieces and, you know, let him chew on some things. And then we'd have some really long, good discussions, but he was truly seeking truth. But if I wasn't able to provide him with something, something of substance, I mean, he'd still probably be like, okay, well, dude, I, you're always talking about it, but I don't like, there's no evidence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like at some point, that's very important. I think what I, and I would say that's, it should be required for every Christian that you just advance, you know, just like you would in school, you know, you're going through 12 grades and then maybe going to college. Um, it should be the same requirement for Christians that you should just understand that, okay, I need to keep growing in my faith. I need to keep having more understanding. We're never going to know it all, mm -hmm. 
but we do we do need to know at least a deeper level where you can explain it to people yeah uh second peter 115 or i'm sorry 15 it says but also for this very reason giving all diligence add to your faith virtue add to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and mm, so on and so forth and so these things we are to grow in our faith and we are to uh, gain understanding and and wisdom and the simple fact is man and it's that it is a epidemic in the body of christ or i should say in a lot of these churches where where the bible says wheat and tares dwell together that a lot of people aren't growing in their faith they're they're staying on milk as you said earlier they're not studying the scripture um their pastor is their voice in so many cases and so especially in a lot of these churches where there's false doctrines and certain things that or they're focused on money um so you get this from a lot of christians that yeah you have a lot of people that will praise the lord will testify of jesus and god being the truth but there's not much else after that there, then after that initial proclamation then comes the the carnality you'll start to see coming out or the nature that isn't hasn't been renewed um and so you'll see that a lot uh i had a guy that i worked with one time he um he was a, a manager actually and um he came in and um i'm trying to recall the specifics of the conversation but there was something that went to the effect of hey how you doing man he was asking us oh i'm doing good man i was like yeah i'm, I'm good i'm god is good you know he says oh you one of those christians huh and i said yeah and he said oh you, you you're blessed and highly favored aren't you <laughs> and i said well uh, <laughs> you know yeah. it's like he's heard that his whole yeah, life oh, yeah. you know yeah. like, and he kind of mocked me for it you know but i mean i didn't say it at the time but he said it you know he's like oh i know the lingo but you're blessed and highly favored aren't you and so i'm like well i am but there's a lot more to it now i'm just, just more than highly favored brother it's 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 more than that and so i wanted to engage him a little bit more but uh he was busy doing some other things but since after that initial conversation i had talked to him a lot more and he would start asking me for the word for the day and all these things. But the point was, is that the world knows I'm blessed and highly favored. Like that's just something that a lot of people say. Um, and they, and they are honestly, the world is blessed <laughs> to be honest with you and they're favored a manner or another, because God reigns on the just and the unjust. And so being in this country right now, you're, you're blessed with a lot of things and uh, you don't realize it, but also those same blessings, so to speak, can be your downfall because you're not honoring the blesser and you're just worried about his gifts instead of worrying about, uh, or instead of getting closer to knowing him. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Christianese should be a language spoke amongst Christians. When we go in the world, it's like Paul said, I've become all things to all people. Right. And, and he, he was able to go outside the four walls of the church and convey a message that they could either, they were going to like hate him for it or they would have understanding and he wasn't conforming to their ways. He didn't become secular or, or start sinning like they did. He just, he had, he knew he had to speak differently to different people. And I've, I've learned that too. I, I, you have to be a, you don't have to be the greatest communicator, but you do have to be able to understand it from the other person, you know, wearing the other person's shoes. Right. Right. Um, right. I've often said like, you know, and my cousin's a dentist. When I talk to him, I don't know much about dentistry, but I do know something about teeth. So I'll throw in, you know, an analogy with a tooth or something. So he understands where I'm coming from. 
if I'm speaking to people about, you know, that they play golf, I understand the game of golf, so I can explain it through an analogy in golf. But it's, I think that breaks the ice and it makes people feel more comfortable. And it doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't give them this feeling, oh, look at this guy. He's so pious. You know, he's looking down right. his nose at me. Like he's so religious and I, that we have to understand that, that, that we're dealing with people that are blind. So we have to give them sight and we give them sight by the truth. And uh, I feel like pastors, and, and I don't, again, this is a general statement. I, I hate using general, but it, a lot of pastors, they haven't fed their flock. They kind of give them the warm and fuzzy stuff every week. They hear similar messages about similar things, and they're not getting deep down into the word and into the meat and teaching them discipleship, teaching, the, teaching them these, these uh, things they need to know, these skills to go out into the public and say, or even with their own families and be able to talk to them that they don't look crazy, but at the same time, they're get they're still getting truth in a conversation. Like it, Jason, I know you're a great you're great with um, communicating with people, and I mean you've you've always had like a gentle spirit about you, and you're this big fuzzy teddy bear, you know. Like people can can relate to you. I, no, it's serious though. I mean, like people love you, man. And it's like you it's you have true. a <laughs> that's a, you're not, not as, my mom. No, I'm just yeah, oh my <laughs> inside joke. <laughs> um, yeah. you're not as big as a teddy bear as you were because you've lost some weight now but you're still a teddy bear and people love that and it makes them feel comfortable and approachable I think that's important it's a good trait to have you need to be approachable if you're standoffish like who's going to want to talk to you and how are you ever going to get anybody you know the word yeah how are you going to yeah, feed absolutely. them the gospel if you're if you're just kind of like separating yourself and you know thinking you're so you know perfect or something right but, right yeah I don't know. I don't, I don't understand it. And I think that's where pastors really need to focus on right now. They really need to focus on teaching them to be disciples. Jesus, that's what Jesus did. He was the rabbi. He taught them and he says, now go do it. Go into all the earth and preach to every, like, I don't understand why, how churches got away from that at some point. Um, I think some of them are just too yeah. big. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, so it mm -hmm. makes it really difficult to disciple. But even if you get big, there should be enough self-awareness with the elders and with the pastor that they should come together and say, okay, we need to divide into groups now. We're getting larger, so let's take groups of, you know, I don't know, 40 people or something and teach them. Like, it just shouldn't be like, well, we've got a lot of people now that we've, I guess we've we've made it. You know, I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't understand that that mentality. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's something. It's, um, yeah, it's a balance, man. You know, it, it's definitely a balance. Uh, it comes with wisdom. Um, even when you look at what Moses did when the when the tribe when he started taking on the responsibilities of uh, being one of their leaders or being the leader, really, that spoke to the Lord. Um, his father-in-law came to him and said, "Hey, you know, you need to devote some, select some other men to in this situation and 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 take authority and being a judge over some of these smaller cases." And you know, I mean the 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 word of God is 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 too much for any one person to try to delegate as their own, and that's why we all need correction. That's why we all are um, members of the body of Christ. And so, when somebody's head gets too big, so to speak, and they get mm -hmm. big in their riches yep. and they gain thousands of followers, I mean, man, I, that's that's where you can become tempted with pride and, and thinking that you're the man and you know, it's, it's so much temptation that comes along with that and responsibility. And um, yeah, I, I I don't understand it. I mean, I understand it, but I wouldn't want that. To be no, honest I with wouldn't you. either. I, it was yeah. never meant, 
it was never meant for the pastor to be lifted up like that, like he has been um, in so many churches, and especially the, the televangelist and thing. It's just, it was never supposed to be about the pastor. It was supposed to be about the flock. Right. And it's a shame that it's been reversed. And and that, that hurts the congregation because the congregation looks at him as this, you know, holy man that can't be touched and uh, un, almost unapproachable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that's become commonplace, too, in the church, where this person's lifted up like like he's some kind of superstar or something. Right. And if, that, if you're a pastor and you're in that position and God's blessed you with a large congregation, you need to examine yourself even closer. Like, yeah. am, am I doing what I'm called to do, am I submitting to him or am I submitting to numbers? Uh, because that's, boy, I'll tell you, that's, I don't, Jason, I don't know if, if God blesses me with a large audience at some point and whatever, I, I pray all the time, Lord, subdue my ego. Any pride that might be in me that I'm aware of, you need to, sub- because if, if, if I don't keep that thing in check, man, that thing will just, you know, you start thinking you're something. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, absolutely. And you're really absolutely. nothing. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And I'll call you out on the show, by the way. Oh, brother. I know, I know you will. <laughs> Robert will be the first one, then you'll be second. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Robert will probably do it a little bit harsher than I will. <laughs> he would. <laughs> yeah, I'd be getting meme text memes all day long from him. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, hey, uh, excuse me, real quick, one more time. I gotta let, let the dogs dog in, in there. Yeah. They're bothering the neighbors. <laughs> Yeah, hey, Michael, uh, we are speaking Christianese right now. Yeah, that's like, see, but that's okay amongst us because we understand it. And I know you get this. I'm just talking because I need to talk because Jason's not here. But I, I the Christianese thing, it's it's fun to talk like that amongst each other uh, because we all understand it and we get it. But at the same time, what I've witnessed in the church I used to belong to, people would say those those cliches all the time. And then when I would see them privately in their own homes, they were nothing like that. They were using the Christianese, but at home, they were a different person. So they were really struggling with things at home, but they didn't want to bring them into the church because they thought the church was supposed to be a perfect place. The church is a hospital. I've said this over and over again. It's not a perfect place. That's where we come to get healed. And we go into his, the the pastor's supposed to help us get healed with the word of God. And then the brothers and sisters come together and pray for each other and and confess our sins one to another so that we may be healed. It's become this place where it's all, you know, rainbows and unicorns or something where, oh, we're just all happy all the time. It's not. People have struggles every day. And if they're not addressed, they, they pretend like they're happy at church. Then they go home and they're miserable and they're not. And then the whole week until next Sunday, they're miserable. They're not doing anything that the Lord's called them to do because they're not trained to do it and they're feeling miserable. So what's going to make them want to get off the couch? You know, it's, I don't know. I, I, it's sad. It's a sad state. And I, and it's not, I'm not painting the whole church with a broad brush. I get it. There's some really great churches. Of course there are. Jason belongs to one. He's in a good church, but there's, there's a ton of them that just aren't doing those things. And, and they don't care about the person when they go home. And I got to saw it first, got to see it firsthand. I mean, I was in these people's homes remodeling. So I would go to them and I'm like, well, geez, they seem totally different than they do at church. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know why they're so different. And so, you know, God really woke me up to that problem. And that's where I want to, I feel like correction can really revolutionize our church and get us back on the right path. And people would be on fire for the Lord again, because if they see it operating in their own life, they're going to want to share it with others. That's gonna that's gonna produce fruit, but if they're miserable, Jason, they're they're not gonna want to 
do anything. They're going to wait for someone to come heal them. They're going to wait for, you know, for someone to, to come in and, you know, some, the knight in shining armor is going to come and sweep them off their couch and make them. No, you like there's you got to be active. Oh, Joyful June, what shouldn't you be in class right now teaching those eighth graders? How can you? <laughs> she said she's late for Bible study. You're going to be late for your class. She's a, a, a middle school teacher in Georgia. Oh, okay. Math okay. teacher. Uh, so, oh, well, what am I talking about? Wait, they're on vacation. That's right, Thanksgiving. Okay, makes sense. I forgot about that. Yep. Some some kids are off today. Some are. My kids are. My my uh, son's off. He doesn't have school today. But I, we used to. Jason, do you remember when you were in school? Didn't we always go to school up until the day before Thanksgiving? And then you just had a four day weekend. Isn't that how it used to be? I believe so. I, if I could recall that far back, um, yeah, I, I believe that we went up to school up until Wednesday, right? And then yeah, that's that's the way. It used Thursday, to be. Friday off, and then we went back to school Monday. I believe. Yeah, these teachers yeah. got it made, right? Right, June. <laughs> was she have the whole week off or something? No, no. I think today was her first day off for uh, until through uh, oh. Monday. Yeah, that's not too bad. No, that's, that's awesome. That's actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, good. Don't hate on her, man. Good for you, June. <laughs> June knows I would never hate on her. I love June. She's she's awesome. Uh, okay, so let's get back to the word here. Okay, so um, we read this, but I, the part where it says, um, uh, "For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit." That's that's the key right there. We're made alive in the spirit. And we've put our flesh to, to uh, death. Sorry, my phone was ringing there. Um, this is this is probably in my walk with the Lord something that I struggled with the most until I had understanding what it actually meant. I probably for the first oh gosh seven eight years of my walk I just thought I was crazy. I'm like oh my gosh I'm nuts like I'm, I hope no other Christian knows what I'm thinking or what's inside you know what I'm what I'm dealing with. I did not understand how important it was to understand that you're, when, when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, that I was a new man in Christ. Old things have passed away. I was never taught by a teacher or I, even on just watching TV shows with pastors or, or radio shows that you had to fight the flesh, that there was a war that now raged inside of you. And this battle was real. No one ever talked about that. I didn't hear any teachings on that. And I had, and the, the more I read the word and I saw Paul talked about it a lot, I realized, I'm like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Okay, this makes sense. So maybe I'm not as crazy as I thought I was. Maybe other people are struggling with the same type things. And I remember when we got together, Jason, for the first time, there was a bunch of us and we were talking after the Bible study. We all started talking about our sins, the things we were wrestling with. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. Like, there's other people that get it. Like they, they understand what I'm saying. And, and all of a sudden it brought this peace and this healing when we confess our sins one to another. It brought an inner healing. And then I was able to, to fight the good fight and able to teach others like, hey, you can overcome this. You don't have to struggle alone. The Holy Spirit's with you, obviously. But you have brothers and sisters, if you can trust them, they're not going to go and gossip you know what your secret sins are or whatever but if you can trust somebody and, and confess that man it just it's amazing what happens in your spirit man and how much stronger you your faith grows and how fast you can grow in the faith because of that but without that understanding and this is this is another part where i think the church gets an f you know on, on, on that report card where they just don't teach this 
understanding. And I don't know how you don't, because this is the key to our faith. Understanding that it's the, your flesh is going to be the flesh until the resurrection. It's that spirit man that fights. That's the, that's the battle right there. That spirit, when it's, when it's strong in Christ, you can do all things through him who strengthens you, whether it's, you know, through dire situations or, you know, being blessed. You're going to be that even keel person because the spirit's grounded in him. Um, so I, I don't know, Jason, I know your church, I'm sure you guys discuss that quite a bit, but there's a lot of churches that aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, the, the irony in that is we just had a uh, brother, uh, Joel, uh, he spoke two weeks ago and he spoke that exact same message. Actually. Um, it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> we have a preaching team too, where different men preach, not just the pastor. So, um, it's, it's actually a very, a uh, good thing because a, a lot of people have speaking gifts uh, at our church. And so we, we get them out there, you know, to encourage whatever the Lord puts on the mind. But I should say, saying in that, saying that uh, what you just said is exactly right. We have uh, the the old man and the new man, the war and the spirit, all those things are, are apparent as we become a Christian. And what Satan wants to do is to make sure that in our thinking, we're thinking that we're by ourselves in these struggles or we're by ourselves and we're the only ones that are going through this. And he wants to isolate us so that we can be isolated from others and in our minds be isolated from the Lord because we don't think that we're good enough and we're not good enough. None of us are um, to, to do that. But because of Christ's righteousness, he has opened the door um, so that we can fellowship with him so that we can be honest with him so that we can confess our sins to him and to others so that we can gain strength. And what Gino said is a, is an awesome scripture um, that I think again is overlooked much in our life. It says to confess our sins one to another. And what he's talking about is transparency here. We can't get healing. He says confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Um, what God is doing in healing is first operating in the fact that he sees all things. What are we doing when we're confessing our sins one to another? We're being transparent. We're letting us know that we're not hiding anything. We can't hide from God. And when we try to hide from our fellow brothers, we're doing the same thing. It's just like when, uh, who was that? Uh, uh, in the book of Acts, the couple that lied to the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira. Yep. Yeah, Ananias. Yep. And they were trying to hide the fact that they gave more money yep. than they had sold for their house or something, or, or had give, given more money to the church than what they had sold, I believe, is how that went down. Yeah. And he was lying. He was trying to hide from what he had. And, Paul, and Peter said, you know, you could, it was your money. You could have did anything you want with it. It didn't matter what you did with it. If you gave 10 cents, you could have told us you gave 10 cents or from the sale, whatever it was. But you lied and wanted to present yourself as something you weren't. And so this is what God is trying to get out of us, get, get us to war with, so to speak, our flesh, when we confess our sins one to another, not so that somebody else can put you down and make you look worse than who you are or, or expose your sins to somebody else. It's to say, you know what? I struggled with that in the past. This is how I overcame it. Or I, I'm struggling with that now. Um, let's pray together about it. Um, we can overcome this through the, the word of God. And so what we're trying to do or what the Lord is trying to get out of us is to be honest and transparent before people, before men, before our brothers and sisters, so that we're not hiding and pretending and being fake 
And um, sin, sin will cause you to do that. Sin will cause you to hide the same way it did in the beginning with Adam and Eve when they hid from God, when they sinned. Um, and, we, and we do the same thing, but we have to acknowledge that. And we have to also acknowledge and, and fight Satan and I should say resist Satan with those lies that he comes to tell us that we're the only ones struggling with it. And you're abnormal for not being normal, for not being over this. And there's no hope for you. And that's what he wants to do. And so we're not going to be like that. We choose uh, Christ. And if we choose Christ, then we're going to operate in confessing our sins. Yes, it's embarrassing. Yes, it's shameful. Yes, it sometimes feels, you know, like you're just the whole world is going to come out on you when you reveal that sin to that brother or whatever you're struggling with. But the ultimate result is that there is healing. And that's what we want. We want healing. We don't want to continue doing the same things over and over and over again and struggling. Why am I doing this? You know, so healing it, comes. It does help. I mean, just, I don't know that you, you know, like you just, you feel that literal weight come off your shoulders sometimes because you've, you've borne it for so long and you've carried it. And then you're just, and if it, but it's again, it's got to be someone you trust. I mean, you can't just <laughs> tell it to anybody and then they go out and you know the whole church knows. Um, that's exactly. that's another thing that the church really needs to work on. I think that would be another department where maybe a D or an E is <laughs> the gossiping part. Like that should not be in a church. Uh, yeah. You know, in little groups. Well, there's a proverb that talks about that. It says that the love of. Uh, all right, now I'm going to mess it up. Uh, but it's, it talks about love concealing a matter um a friend that stick it closer than a brother and then not too long after that it talks about um a friend hides or conceals uh another friend's sins i'm paraphrasing that obviously but um and we're not talking about hiding it and saying that you know it's not sin we're talking about covering oh corinthians first corinthians love covers a multitude of sins right um a friend, if he confides in you to let you know he's struggling, it's not to for you to take that and, and, and lord over him or hold that against him. And, and, when, and later on, in something he says that you don't like, you want to throw it out there and use it as a you know thing to make him look bad. No, that's not what a friend does. Love covers a multitude of sins. And that really speaks of God covering our sins in Christ. I mean, he's covered so many sins through the blood of Christ. And we are to do that to our brothers uh, also when they can confide in us. We're to cover that sin. We're not to make him look bad to make us look better. You know, that's not, that's not the motivation. Yeah. And that's also speaks to um, if you're in love, you're not going to sin. If right. true true love is not selfish true love gives and so if we're doing that you know it's just like the, jesus the great two greatest commandments love god with all your heart mind soul and strength and love your neighbors yourself if you're doing that you're not going to sin That's you right. can't it's impossible That's right mm -hmm. if you're in true love Amen. all right and then the other thing here baptism which corresponds to this now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body but as an appeal to god for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Uh, the age-old argument of baptism, Jason, we know that baptism doesn't save anybody. Jesus saves people. The thief on the cross wasn't baptized. I mean, there's other accounts in the Bible where you see someone die. But if, if you're being obedient to the word, then you're going to get baptized. Um, I think it was last week, Jason, in our own chat, Blue Bee was in the chat, and she actually went and got baptized. 
she felt convicted and went really? yeah yeah praise the lord yeah it's really praise cool. the lord. um but that act of baptism isn't what saved her she had already put trusting trust and faith in jesus christ she just realized you know what no i want to do this the word says i'm going to do it and and do we understand the full aspect of why baptism is important as a believer? I mean, there's a there's a lot of scripture about baptism. I don't think we understand it fully spiritually. Uh, we understand it to the best of our knowledge according to the Word of God. But it is something of obedience. And so I believe uh, if you're a Christian, at some point, you will. if you're truly following your faith, you're going to be convicted in your spirit to go do it. It's an outward sign of an inward commitment you've made yeah yeah. and i think that that needs to be publicly made a declaration not only not even just to the physical world but to the spiritual world Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of remember that scripture uh it says jesus jesus made a display he put them on display when he was on the cross like they they were put on notice or like he almost mocked the spirits saying Mm -hmm. you thought you you ended it it just began You've been, you were so deceived, you couldn't even see the, I mean, there were scriptures talking about his coming crucifixion and resurrection and, and, the, and the, the evil demonic world still said, no, kill him, kill him. We'll end it right now. And we win. And it was just the beginning. It was where our victory began. And I think that's the same thing that happens when we, we outwardly show that, that belief we have inwardly to the world and to the spirit world that they're like, oh, another one, <laughs> another one out of our grip. Amen. Amen. And, and, it, and it is a spiritual battle. Um, you think about this, uh, we don't know this much at all in, in our country, but in other countries, people that are baptized that show that open proclamation of faith in Christ, they're put out of homes. They're uh, Sometimes they lose their jobs. Uh, in some places, they're persecuted even more than that, um, threatened with, with uh, harm, bodily harm, if they get baptized. And so, Baptism to the spiritual principalities and the fallen angels, they know exactly what that means. Uh, we don't typically, uh, as, as Gino said earlier, we don't know the full, or a lot of people, maybe God has revealed it to some, but we don't understand the full aspects of what takes place spiritually when, you, um, when you're obedient to baptism. And so... Yeah, I appreciate that testimony from the young lady. That's a blessing, man, because you can also take it for granted. You know, a lot of people here, yeah. well, uh, you know, it, 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 it's two extremes. You know, you don't want to you don't want to say I remember that time we we argued with a guy years ago at their Bible oh, study yeah. about baptism all through the night for about three or four hours. Right. Um, that wasn't the only subject, but um some people take it to the extreme and say that baptism actually saves the person and so if you get baptized you're guaranteed to enter into kingdom enter into the kingdom and that's not true but there's also those that take it for granted and don't think that it means anything and i don't really have to be baptized even though the lord said it as an ordinance and um you know we don't need to do it and that's not that that shows rebellion that shows a a heart that isn't converted to obey the lord and so um we we have to be baptized in a sense because it's what god says um we have to learn not to revile others because it's what god says we have to learn how to love one another because that's what god says and so we want to be obedient to what the lord says and not disobedient so amen to that yeah, I remember that night very well. In fact, I was just talking about that. <laughs> he, we argued about wine, whether it was real wine. We argued about baptism. We argued, oh gosh, the millennium. The, I mean, the uh, millennial reign of of uh, Jesus. We Man, there were so many things. But I remember specifically at that Bible study, Jason, that that was the first time I had gone with you to 
I think was it your cousin? I, I can't remember. Somebody's house, and there was a bunch of us oh, there. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, the, and they even their pastor was there. There was about twenty guys, and we're all just kind of hanging out. And and I remember about maybe not even like fifteen minutes into the study, we're reading, and I'm, I'm, you know how you just feel the weight of a stare on you. <laughs> like I could, I could just feel. I'm like, who is staring? And I look up and. <laughs> And he is just glaring at me. And I'm like, what did I do? You know, or maybe something's on my face or something. I was getting a little nervous. And, uh, and I remember like, that's when it started. He, right at, we were reading about baptism and, and he looked right at me and called me out in front of the whole group. Now, I don't even know this guy from Adam. And he says, what about you? You've been baptized? What are you talking? Like he got mad at me because I was speaking up and, you know, talking about the scripture or whatever. And he's like, he says, you haven't even been baptized, have you? And I'm like. I'm like, okay, well, time out. <laughs> I said, and I said, okay, you're you are correct. And that at that point, I wasn't baptized, and I had been a Christian yeah. for maybe five or six years at that point, probably. And I remember, right. like, it it became very heated. And I was trying to just remain calm because I felt embarrassed, first of all. Um, and then I says, I says, well, is there a bathtub here? And and he's like, what does that mean? I said, I said, well, I'll be baptized right now. I said to prove my faith. I said, I don't believe I have to prove my faith. I said, I've been born again, and I know I've been born again because I've been bought by the blood. And then that's when the debate really started because I said, I said, how do we get saved? And he kept going back. And he'd read scripture. He'd go right to the baptism scripture. I said, and that's when I brought up the thief on the cross. I says, well, so then the thief on the cross is not with him in paradise. Jesus lied. And see, this is where it gets legalist, legalism comes in. And, and we see this all the time. And if you don't know the scripture, just like we read earlier, if you can't defend why you believe, I would have looked like, a, not that I care about looking like a fool for Christ. I don't care. I could care less. It wasn't a pride thing. It was, he had a misunderstanding and I wanted to teach him in, res, respectfully, even though he was not teaching me very respectfully and, and embarrassed me in front of all these guys who I don't know. Um, and, it, and then we saw a cycle with him. It just kept repeating over the night. I mean, like, I remember you talked, you were kind of going at it with the pastor about the wine thing. <laughs> and it was like. It was like at some point I, I said, you know what, guys, time out. I said, let's just let's just read the word. Like, I think this is kind of going nowhere. We're here to learn right. together. So, but that's, you know, I think in looking back on it, you and I were very respectful that night. I don't think we like, we weren't trying to embarrass anybody. We were just using the word to expound upon what God was really saying. And they were just, a lot of them guys were under a teaching that was very legalistic. Um, and I don't know what denomination they belong to. It doesn't matter, but I just felt like you and I were there that night. You, you do. <laughs> you and I were there for a purpose. And, uh, I remember we were there till the wee hours of the night, uh, yeah. talking with that guy. And, and at the end, I gotta say, I, I'll give him credit. He did say, you know what, maybe I need to reread some of these scriptures. And I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing that he admitted that. Although, a few weeks later, I heard him calling to Bob Duco's show, and he was arguing with him about sim similar things. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> so, so I don't know. Hopefully, you know, the Lord worked on his heart a little bit, and he softened him up. Good morning, Sonia. Good to see you. Thanks for dropping by. Appreciate you. Okay, uh, let's move on here. Oh, so we gotta we gotta go back and discuss the one scripture that I know I used to be pretty confused about, or yeah, confused, I guess, or not sure is probably a better way to put it. Um, this is a scripture that uh, a lot of preachers in error will speak. I know um, 
what was her name? Uh, Joyce Myers spoke this, and there's some other people speaking that Jesus went to hell and oh. was punished in hell and burned in hell. About the, uh, you took the uh, scripture off the screen. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, that's sorry. Okay. <laughs> I don't know it all by heart now. Um, <laughs> so the scripture where he says in verse 18, um, I'm sorry, verse 19, in which he, talking about Jesus, went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Some of the other versions say went to hell or Hades uh, to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. And so the scripture is, is actually speaking on, okay, well, what when you first read that as a Christian, I would say, well, what would you think about that? And you'd say, well, what does it mean he went to the spirits in prison? And I think another version says he went to hell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure which version. It might have been the King James. I don't have it. I have, uh, right you know what, I have the King James right here. Okay. Uh, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was prepared. Uh, wherein That's not the King is, James, is it? Uh, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I don't, I'm wondering if there's a, a, a version that says that he actually went and it says to hell. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not going to make that. Because uh, I know I've heard it from different preachers saying that he went, they actually used the word hell. Mm-hmm. And, um, and obviously we're talking about prison. We're talking about the holding center. Um, you know, even if we look at Abraham's bosom, there right. were two sides to that chasm. Uh, Abraham, or I should say not Abraham, but um, uh, Lazarus was on one side and the, uh, the rich man the other side. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. The rich man was begging for a drop of water even. And right, tell my, tell my right. brothers not to come to this place. But yet he wasn't repentant. Um, right. right. He, was, he was still, you know, wanting more. So, yeah, I, that's a good point. And, and we got to understand that at that point, because, uh, and again, you got to go back to the Old Testament, faith has always been what's saved. It's not two different gods in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I know everybody watching this understands this, but there's a lot of people that think, well, gosh, God was so harsh in the Old Testament. And look how mean he was. He was killing people and killing off races of people and, you know, driving them out of their lands and all that stuff. It's the same God. Um, it, what manifested in Jesus was his grace so that it could be put on display so that we would we would understand that the messiah had to suffer and the spirit world too and i you know i agree with you in this this scripture jason that the the place jesus went to he didn't have to be tormented in hell to take away our sin he that was done on the cross the father left him why have you forsaken me jesus spoke and and put all of our sin the weight of sin on him and him alone to carry that weight and to take it with him. But the, when he overcame, when he went in, in the ground for three days and rose in, that, in the tomb, when he came out of the tomb that third day, he came out victorious, where now sin had been washed away once and for all by the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God. It had to be done that way. So, you know, I, I, I've heard those teachings too, where they, you know, well, he had to go and suffer. I think Copeland teaches the same thing. Um, that they, you know, oh no, he was suffering down in hell and burning with the flame. Like, what? What are you talking about? Like, are you, this is the, this is God of all creation. 
He's right, like, right. Like it make it makes zero sense. I don't know where they get that teaching. I don't. I've never understood that one. And Catholic Church teach taught that too. And now that oh, you know, I and, didn't also, know the that, and also that there's purgatory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but the word simply says that he spoke to the he proclaimed the truth in in those holding cells in prison, right? And so. The proclamation is what he did when he went down there. He didn't go down there and burn in hell and suffer for our sins in hell. That's not. So if you're under a teacher or heard anybody say that, just know that that's error because the Bible has no, um, doesn't say that at all. It says that he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. A proclamation is something that you boldly declare of an event or something happened or something that has happened. You don't go and suffer in hell as some of these teachers teach um that's not what the scripture's saying so i just thought that was worth the mention i just think that no it's very worth the mention because i think it's obvious in scripture that it says on the cross the wrath was poured upon him right. it doesn't say in hell it right. never says that it never speaks of that it's poured on him at the cross that's what the whole sacrifice was about that god's wrath would come upon the the, the uh, sacrificial lamb not on thank god not on us i mean he could have he in his righteous judgment he could have put it upon us but he chose to put it upon his own his own self which is still blows my mind to this day like that i'll never i will never get over god died for me like th that is so so deep and so intense like in eternity i do you think we'll ever even in eternity, Jason, do you think we'll have, we'll understand what he did for us, obviously, because we're there. But do you think there's ever going to be a complete understanding of how amazing that act really is? I think so. Okay, good. I, I hope so, I too. But... Well, and, and the reason why I say that, and I know what you're saying, uh, the reason why I say that is because, you know, the Bible tells us that when we see him, we'll see him as he is. We'll see him good in his point. glory. We'll see him for who he is. Yeah. We'll have an understanding with our new bodies and our new transformed, glorified selves. And I believe we'll fully understand it so that we can worship him even more. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And have it in the yeah. kingdom. So, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Good point, bro. All right, First Peter 4. First Peter 4. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passion, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lost, lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though, that though judged in the flesh in the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Then, I'm sorry, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. 
show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I can't hear you. Sorry, forgot to mute it. Uh, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That's what we were talking about earlier. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Now, does that mean we're never going to submit to our flesh? Of course not. That's not what he's saying. But he's showing you the victory is in the spirit, not in the flesh. We will never gain victory in this world through our through our flesh. Worldly things, you might have some gains and you might get something, but there's always consequences to those gains. There's never consequences when it's a spiritual gain, other than consequences for good, to, to grow our faith or to get closer to the Lord in our walk with him. <clears throat> and even for heavenly gain, when we go there, we know we're going to be rewarded in heaven for the fruits that we've bore here on earth. So that... that Again, this is something that I think has been passed over. That's that's it, you could read over that pretty quickly and not really see much in it. But that's another example of how we win this this battle that we're all up against if you're a Christian. That it's for the flesh just has to be crucified. That's why fasting can be so uh vital to your relationship with the Lord, not because you're gaining favor with him through the fast. It's because you're killing the flesh so you can hear him. So you can get closer to him, so you can draw near him, so that your your flesh is being, you know, just put down, put down, put down, so you can hear him better or or understand what he's calling you to do better. Um, I know you've you've fasted many times, Jason, and it is amazing. The longer that fast goes, the weird thing is you'd think that the flesh would be like, oh my gosh, give me food, give me food, what are you doing? But it's weird after after I know for me, like it's been after maybe two or three days, that kind of goes away. Like you don't even notice that you're hungry. And it does, like, you just start becoming more aware spiritually than, than you were just two or three days earlier prior to that. I mean, is that the same yes. thing that's happened to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And more, it's more of a battle of the mind after the after the few days that you do fast. Um, if you can get through that first few days, <laughs> um, it does. It, the, the desire for food kind of goes away. Um, and then it's more of a battle of the natural process of what you're used to, um, or if you're around food, you know what I mean? But if you can keep yourself busy by being in the word and eating the word, or maybe even doing something else that when you're not around food, it, it does, uh, it does go away that desire. And so we are able to, I think we become mentally stronger, uh, when that happens and, and spiritually speaking, we, we can really focus on the word and not the flesh. And so that's, and that's definitely true. I definitely uh, attest to that. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, the bread of life is Jesus. And that's so true, especially when you're fasting, you understand that even to a different degree, you just realize like, wow, he is the one that sustains me. Mm -hmm. It's, It's not this food and the nourishment I'm getting from the food that he's provided. It's he ultimately sustains me. Absolutely. The scripture says that, uh, 
man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so if we really take that as for what it says, um, I, I, we found out found that out to be true when you fast. I mean, you really put the, what's one of those old saying, you put the, um, I'm not good at quoting those things. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not but, good at, I'm not good at reading your mind either, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> you put the, what is it? Put the something to the, uh, I don't know. Put your feet uh, to anyway, the fire. I don't know. There you go. Feet is to the fire. It? That's okay. a good one. Yeah, that's one of them. It's like three or four of them people use, but yeah, you put the feet to the fire. Uh, the pedal to the metal, who knows? But um <laughs> When you start applying those principles, so to speak, um, you, you start to see it that we really truly do not live by food or natural food alone. And it's the word of God that sustains us. And so um, it's an amazing once you can get that revelation in your spiritual walk, though, because, you know, it takes it takes some some faith, I would say, to believe that. And once you start applying that, you'll be amazed at what God does in your spiritual walk. Um and we need to be reminded of that often too. So, um, can you put that scripture back on the screen, though, brother? I was uh, I wanted to deal with something in there. Um, um, oh, I think we talked about this in, in one of our other studies too. But it talks about in verse three. Uh, and this is something I just want to encourage Christians, and most of us, I'm sure, are past this point already, but there may be some that just have come to the faith. And it talks about, for the time that is past, suffices for doing what the Gentiles do want to do. In other words, time for that is over with. Um, for our former lives, it says, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. Um, and then it says in verse four, uh, I like another version, the way it puts it a little bit better, but it speaks the same thing. It says, with respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. And so, and they malign you. And the scripture says clearly that when you start to remove yourself, being a new Christian or even being a Christian who hasn't done these things yet, um, when you start to come out from among your old crowd, the old people that you used to get high with, that you used mm -hmm. to go to drunken parties with or club with or whatever you were doing, or even just, you know, watching sports all day long every day. Um, Whenever you come out of these things, it says that these people will start to malign you or, or speak evil of you or mock you because of your uh, new transformation. And this is the process of every Christian. Every Christian has to go through this process because it's exactly what the Lord would have. We have to be uh, persecuted in a sense, or, or we once we come out of the world, so to speak, and come away from sinfulness and, and those things that the Lord wants to get rid of in our lives. We're going to have a period where people mock us, where people make fun of us, where people laugh at you, where people don't want to invite you anymore after you've done it. And, and you start to feel like, Hey, I'm not wanted anymore. But the Lord says that he will replace those people in your lives and give you new people in your lives. And this may take time, but be uh, encouraged that uh, right after that in verse four, it says, what it does it say will happen. It says that the Lord will deal with them. Um, it says that, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And so we don't have to worry about that. We have God on our side. He's the one that we have to please. And when we do that, it pleases him. And God says that he is the one that will answer them for, or they'll have to give an answer for that, but he'll deal with them. In other words, he'll repay evil for evil if need be. So um, I just want to encourage those Christians that are out there that have experienced that and are maybe 
feeling doubtful about what they did and maybe I should go, but you've been a friend with somebody for 20, 30 years, 15, 10 years, and all of a sudden they don't want to be your friend anymore or you've removed yourself from doing what used to draw you together to be friends. Right. You know, and you, you stop that because you're new in Christ. Well, praise God for it. Can count it all joy and don't be, uh, continue to go forward in, in your walk with Christ and God will deal with them. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, what's interesting to me, um, if you listen to a lot of theologians, uh, they'll talk about how Peter and especially Paul really believed that the Lord could come back at any moment during their own lives. And you do sense the urgency in their word, but I don't, I'm not of that opinion. I think they were showing the urgency of coming to Christ and that your life could be spared at any moment. Um, I don't, I mean, I, obviously they, they wrote most of the new Testament. So I think they would have an understanding that he's not coming back like tomorrow, but they, they were trying to get the young church to understand today's the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. I mean, right. would you agree with that, Jason? Or cause I mean, every, I'm not joking. Like 99% of the theologians I've ever listened to. And I, and I, a lot of them are very good theologians. I'm not like saying they're woke or something or, you know, progressive. I just, I think they take when, like Paul says here in verse seven, let me switch screens. He says to the, to the end, all things is that all things are at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Um, I mean, the end of all things is at hand. But I think what Paul says, he's kind of being metaphorical, I think, at the same time. He's, he's basically saying the end of all things that the way you knew them is at hand. Like there's a new, there's a new beginning, a new way in Christ. I, I mean, I don't know. That's the way I've always interpreted it. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe it is. You know. I agree with you 100%, brother. Okay. It wasn't even a... Uh, thought you know, when you brought it up, I realized that you know what you're right. There are many preachers that or theologians that preach that, and mainly because of pre-trib, I believe. Um, and you know, I didn't want to mention that, uh, <laughs> get into that a little uh, too much, but I believe it's because of the pre-trib rapture theory. Um, mm, that's a but good point. you see, Paul many times, and and even Peter, they 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 told about how they must suffer and that they, you know. Um, they weren't going to be there with the Christians that they were preaching to. Um, I don't believe there's anywhere in scripture where they, uh, except for the time. And what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I'm trying to figure out what scriptures they could use to make that point. Um, with the exception of maybe the time when Peter, um, you know, uh, asked the Lord, about was it John the apostle uh, asking him about what he was going to do, and Jesus said, "What is it? What does it matter? Oh yeah, um, what does it matter to you? What I have him do?" Yeah. Um, so I, I don't see that either, brother. Uh, to say the least, I, I believe that they were speaking of the point that hey, we don't know how long any of us have. Tomorrow is not promised, and we need to be right with Christ today. Today is the day of salvation. Um, Now, unless they're speaking from the time of just a day is a thousand years to the Lord, a thousand years is as a day from his perspective. Um, but again, I, I don't see that anywhere else in scripture. I don't either. And I think they would, I mean, these, they, like I said, they wrote like, you know, two thirds of the new Testament. So I don't think they were thinking, 
well, I, I, I guess maybe it could have happened. Like if, if they had written one book, you know, one letter before another, and then they got more revelation and maybe they could have thought, okay, well, he could come back at any moment. But I think as they matured in their faith and they were getting more, you know, divinely inspired words from the Lord that they would have known that, okay, this is, this is a future event. His second coming is a future <laughs> event, but there is still an urgency to get people saved. Cause like Ooh. you said, cause tomorrow's not promised, like you said. So yeah. I, 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 that's where I'm with it. But I, I didn't even think about the rapture aspect of it, where if, if someone's worldview is determined by the, the pre-trib rapture, I could see them saying, well, that's why the disciples were saying that, to make it fit their narrative. So Right, right. That's a good point. Very good point. Oh, also, let's let's touch on verse 7, too. Uh, I think one of the things we, we what we were talking about earlier when we were speaking of the wives and the husbands and and how that can hinder your prayers. Paul is saying right here, I'm sorry, Peter is saying right here, do these things self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. What is he saying there for the sake of your prayers? He's saying, look, your, your prayers, uh, if you want them answered, if you want to be heard, you need to be so self-controlled, sober-minded. And, um, you know, to keep that in mind as well, because if you want the Lord to answer you and hear you, then you want to, you want to be these things and be like the son. So that's a great son. point. Yeah. I didn't even, boy, I would have missed that. Yeah. That's another thing that can hinder your prayers. This is good. You know, there's a lot of spiritual keys that you can just kind of gloss over and not even see, but we just talked about confess your sins one to another. So you may be healed, um, reconcile with your wife or your husband quickly so that your prayers won't be hindered. And now you've got another one, just like you said, uh, be sober-minded and in self-control so that your prayers, again, aren't hindered. Right. So these are, if if we're not, if if God's not listening to us, I mean, it's it's 100% on our side. These are three keys that we could look to and say, wow, you know what? Maybe I'm not doing what the words tell me to do. Maybe, mm -hmm. I've, de maybe I've deceived myself through my own sinful behavior. Right. Yeah, that's Absolutely. a great, good point, bro. Love that. All right, suffering as a Christian, verse 12. Let me read again? Okay. Yeah, yeah go ahead. All right. Um, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes up upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. <laughs> but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing it, while doing good. It's a lot of meat in. That one verse always is a little little scary man where it says uh if the righteous is scarcely saved what will become of the ungodly and the sinner like that's that fear of the lord that's that uh it's the great and awful day of the lord 
you know, it can be, it's great if you're in him, it's a terrible day if he comes back or, you know, and you're not right with him. I can't even, Jason, I, I have tried to think about it from an unbeliever standpoint and how they just go day to day, you know, and, you know, maybe they're making a lot of money. They're driving the nice car, you know, they've got all the, 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 the good stuff. Um, but you could think you have it all and you have nothing at all. And at the, at the very end, I just, I cannot imagine, or, or someone that just dies today and, and not even him coming back and knowing that that second you slipped into eternity is for, it's never going to end. There is no more hope at that point. The grace is the, the, the grace that he extended you in this life has ended at that very moment. That is terrifying. Yeah. Um, so where am I thinking with this right now? I want to bring some encouragement to those of you who have lost loved ones that have passed away without being saved. That's where my thoughts are going right now, because this, as my brother said, this is very, it's hard for me to think about this as an unbeliever. It really is. I don't like to think about it as an unbeliever. Um, and I, and I'm typically that left, right brain guy that wants to evaluate and think about everything. But I, this is a scripture that shows it's something that it causes us to sometimes not even know what to say in certain situations. But I want to say this, and it's kind of what brother Gino was just saying. We have a lifetime to do what the one who created us has called us to do or be, I should say be is more of a correct term in this situation. So God has called us to be in him. He's invited us to his family through Jesus Christ. And this, this is the world that he's invited. Believe it or not, salvation is offered to the world. And that includes those that are in our family. Some of us that have seen loved ones die that were died without Christ. And so as a parent, that's probably one of the most horrible things you can think about is having your child die without knowing Jesus, right? Because of, because of the scripture and many others. But one thing I, I want to try to comfort people with is that when we raise our children, we are raising them to train them up the way they should go so that when they are adults, the scripture says, they will not depart. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. And our children that we raise become adults. And it's the same process throughout generations. We, you, who are now an adult, who may be 50, 60, 70, 30, 40, how, whatever age you are, when you're, you've reached adulthood in your own mind to understand certain things, you've become accountable to God. And our children are that very same way. They're not ours. They're God's. The family that we raise are God's creation, just like we are God's creation from the parents that raised us or neglected to uh, whatever situation you are in. And so there is an accountability that we all have to the creator that supersedes any of our human feelings, our emotions, our attachments, our ties that we think, you know, we have that saying, I, I know, I don't know about in, uh, white households a lot of times and i'm not trying to make a disparity Here it goes but with the racism thing again bring in the racist card no 
No, 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 it's not because I'm sure it's not. But I just know what I've experienced where you'll have parents that say, hey, listen, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. Oh, right? we have. Yeah, we have that saying, too. We have that, too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so if you've heard that before. The truth is that's not true. <laughs> the truth of the matter is you were given responsibility to bring in something that was God's. That was God's creation. And you don't have the right to take them out. That's why we fight so hard against abortion, right? Because that woman is not her body. It's another body. And we know that logically with abortion. But as parents, sometimes when we raise a child in our emotions, we can get sidetracked. Hey, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out trying to sound authoritative. That, that's actually you know, speaking a curse over your children, too. Exactly. Exactly. You, you hit it right on the nose. You know, when we say stuff like that. We don't understand what we're saying. But we are God's we are God's image. We are, I mean, we are God's creation. And so we have no right to take out someone else because it's not our life. I don't care if it is your child. And the issue is, is your child, are you training him up to be accountable to God one day? Are you letting him know that he's going to be accountable to his creator? And once that assignment is over, we're we're done in a sense. That doesn't mean we stop loving them. That doesn't mean we stop caring for them in certain ways. But once they're accountable to God as an adult, then they're gods and they're accountable to gods. And you don't have to have any guilt, especially later on, if you've repented and come to God through every testimony, whether you've come to God at the age of 10 or the age of 50, is still unto the Lord and you're showing by your actions that you've repented and turned to God. And it doesn't matter what you've done. Your child has sinned just like you've sinned. Like the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That has to be known to your child. Your yeah. child can't hold yeah. anything against you yeah. because of the way you've treated and brought him up when he's an adult. Because he has to have the understanding that he is just as much as a sinner as you were. And so in that respect, you're, account you're accountable to God. And so is your children, your grown adult children. And again, we all have to make a choice. We all have a choice to choose or reject God. And that's, that's what I want to say about that passage, because it is a, a frightening thing to have to go before the Lord and understand that, oh my gosh, my child, I have six children personally. And so not all of them are saved. Not all of them are walking with the Lord, um, but they all have heard the Lord. They all know the Lord and they know what to expect. Um, so anyway, I just thought I'd encourage somebody yeah. because that's where that's, my thoughts went. No, that's well said, man. Uh, I, mm -hmm. One other thing I'd like to add to that is as a parent, it's important that we're humble before our children, that we're not perfect. We make mistakes. And when we make mistakes, we acknowledge them. If we've hurt them, we say we're sorry. Um, we show them we show them Christ in the way we're raising them, even while we're disciplining them. Just like Just like the Lord disciplines us and he chastens us, he still loves us. He never stops loving us. But he's, he's disciplining us to bring us back on the right path. And it's the same thing with our children. We have to, we have to reflect. If we're preaching it in the house, then we have, to, we have to admit when we're wrong and when we've made mistakes. And that can be hard, as, especially as a dad. Like, you know, we don't want to, you want to look like the, uh, you know, the hero to your, to your children, most, most dads. You know, we want to be the, you know, wow, you know, my dad's such a great guy. And look at all he's done. You know, that's wonderful. And that feels good in the flesh. But that's not going to spiritually put them on the right path because they're going to just think, well, I just have to live up to that standard, even though it's a, it, that's a false standard 
because really inside I'm broken just like they are. And when I acknowledge that, that that's that thing I was talking about earlier, where that it's kind of like an icebreaker. It really brings down the walls where people can trust you more and they say, well, you know what? Wow, he's 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 not much more different than I am. Like he just struggles with something different and he makes mistakes differently, but we're still making mistakes and we're still struggling with stuff. So we can, you know, we can compare notes. And when you're doing that with your children, that's, Jason, I've seen it over and over again. When, 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 when kids grow up in a religious, and I use that in quotes again, religious family, they go wayward 99% of the time. They go sideways because when you put too many parameters and walls and barriers around them, all you're doing is creating a wild horse that's got to go sow his oats, man. Like he's just ready to bust out of that stable, man. And I've seen it time and time again. I've let my kids make mistakes. I've let them make choices. I did not pound the gospel down their throats. They know what we believe, what me and my wife believe. They know it. I, and I incorporate it in all aspects of my life. They see it daily. Um, but I don't shove it down their throats. And what now as they've gotten older, I'm so glad that I learned from other people's mistakes because I've seen the fruit of that now. I've seen them, like my daughter, I mean, she's she just started dating a, she was only looking for a Christian guy. She made a mistake. She went out with a really bad guy before. Now she understood and she learned from her mistake and and she knew there was forgiveness from us and forgiveness from God and she got to see it firsthand in her own, her own life. Same thing with my, my uh, you know, my second oldest son. He's getting married this year and, and he's living godly. Like, it's so cool to see. I didn't have to shove it down their throat. I let them make their choice and walk with God and talk to him about it. And then they, if they had questions, they came to us and they asked. And, and I just, it's a shame that it, that there's a lot of Christian families that they've done that because I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see God shoving it down our throat. He gives us the, he gives you an option. He, he allows your free will to make choices. And if you make the wrong choice, there's consequences. You make the right choice, there's blessings that come with that. And it's that simple. It's 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 not a hard concept to understand. And uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm thankful that our Lord's like that, that I, he's not a works-oriented God where I got to do this, do this, and then then I'll earn favor with them. And same thing as, you know, your kids, they, if I just do this and do this, I'll, I'll please my parents. Well, yeah, to, to an extent, but that's legalism. We don't want to get into that. We want, we have freedom in him. We have liberty. And, uh, and that's what, that's also what brings this sense of understanding God's love for you, how deep it really is. Because it's, it's amazing, Jason, you and I notice both. I have some bad thoughts sometimes. They just sneak in and you don't even realize you're having a bad thought until like maybe a couple minutes later, like, what am I thinking about? Why am I thinking about, like, how did that thought even come in? Now, whether I let it in um, or I was, you know, I saw something that provoked this to think about, I have to be able to catch those thoughts. The Bible says, take them captive and cast them down. And so, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes, you know, I'm just not aware or I'm forgetting or I'm thinking about other things. And then all of a sudden you're just like lost in this thought. You're like, how can I be a Christian thinking about this stuff? Like, this is bad stuff. And then I quickly give it to the Lord and I say, wow, I'm, I'm sorry I was thinking about that, Lord. Like, but it shows how frail I really am in my flesh and it makes me want him more. It, it drives me to him, that brokenness inside of me. Like I can't wait to the day I'm set free from sin 100% at the resurrection. I can't wait for the new body. Like it's gonna be a great day. What a glorious day it's gonna be. But until then, that struggle is real. And we have to be open with our children with that struggle so that they can, they don't, 
they know they don't they're not going to be perfect they don't have to live up to some like ridiculous standard that they can't live up to which just brings guilt and shame upon them and 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 they have no way of getting out of it that they'll just wrestle with it inside and be depressed and down and out as christians we're not we're not guilt driven he took our guilt and shame on the cross we have conviction that's different much different thing so yeah i aim you know amen to what you said bro i, I love that i think that that's a that's an awesome thing that we have in the Lord that he's given us through his grace and mercy that we need to extend to our children also. Uh, and, and then, you know, you just keep praying. Of course you're going to pray for your children. I mean, we, I pray for my kids all the time. I pray for their kids. I pray for the, my, you know, two generations down the line, like I talked earlier. It's, I, I'm, I'm just thankful that the Lord saved me. And now that thankfulness, that gratefulness has to be extended to others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, did you want to touch on, let's see, we're, we're done with the, we already touched on the, uh, if the righteous is scarcely saved. Uh, 15, it says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Boy, Jason, that's, that's the toughest one, I think, for all Christians, the persecution. And Let's face it, the persecution we face here in America, at least at this point, it's it's really not that tough. <laughs> you know, it hurts your feelings. You don't feel, look, none of us want to be, you know, getting picked on or knocked down. I mean, yeah, it doesn't feel good. But that's nothing compared to what our brothers and sisters face in like North Korea, in the Middle East, in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, these people are up against it daily. They're not eating. They're in hard labor camps. They're beaten tortured i i like i i pray for them all the time and and there's times i have felt guilty i think i talked about this with michael on one of our shows there's times where i have felt very guilty that i live in a country where i don't i'm complaining about stupid things honestly to the lord (laughs) compared to what my brothers and sisters are i mean i i that's been the hard part for me but you know in acts i think it's in and i always forget i'm gonna blow this but it's i think it's acts three uh, he talks about he put or no that's Acts one, he's put us in our time and place, so that you may be saved. He put you in the best opportunity with your free will, in in all of time. He could have put me back two hundred years ago or two hundred years ahead of now, but he put me at this time because he knew this is the the time when I would have the best chance at getting saved, and accept his grace. And so that's the one thing, Jason, that has comforted me knowing that my brothers and sisters are suffering immensely, that he put them there because he knew with their will, they might have chosen something other than him. So with persecution, they in their persecution, they have chosen him and their reward will be great on the other side of this. Um, that's, the, that's the one scripture. Thank God for that scripture because otherwise it, I would feel guilty and I shouldn't feel guilty because he's the one that put me here at this time and place. Right. Yeah, that's comforting. You know, I never looked at that like that. So honestly, as I'm as I'm reading it through my mind and thinking, I, I remember reading that scripture, but I never looked at it like that. So you just kind of had some revelation for me too. And I and I, I feel with you that yeah, there's times when I've felt guilty for not having to suffer the persecution that our brothers and sisters have for sure. And even when you think about the little bit of persecution that we have. I mean, and, and let's face it, we've done work for the Lord, you know what I mean? But there's times where we know we, we've we've continually are 
um, the ambassadors of the Lord. So there's times when I've done work. I mean, there's times when I haven't come on this show because I didn't feel like it. You know what I mean? I was mm -hmm. tired. You know what I mean? It's like, man, I don't feel like doing the show. And, and then you oh, think about how now the, now the truth comes out. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> I've always texted him and told him. <laughs> but no, I mean, just little things like that, you know, and it's like, man, we, we, we can become so weary um, in well-doing sometimes, as the scripture tells us not to. Um but yeah, I mean, there's things that, you know, we allow the flesh to um, get the best of us. And, and and those things might be real issues or whatever. I mean, just like, you know, the issue before coming on this show, I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this right now in the spirit that I'm, you know, in the m mental frustration that I'm at right now. I don't, I don't know if I could do that right now, but then you pray and allow the Lord to be all, you're all in all in that situation. And he's a very present help in the time of need. And so those scriptures, you start captivating those, uh, bringing captive, holding captive those thoughts that are negative, and you realize, okay, I can do all things through Christ. I can be strengthened by the Word of God. My brother can help me uh, in this time that I'm and that I'm lacking or I'm not, I'm feeling weak, you know. So um, it's been a blessing to apply the Word of God in all scenarios, and sometimes you fail, and sometimes you're victorious. But thank God that we're victorious in Christ in the end if we overcome all these things in life. So I, I thank God for that. And, um, yeah, the Word of God is amazing. It'll transform your mind. It'll transform your life if you let it. So Yeah. Um, our brother T. Webbs in the chat has a couple questions. He said, uh, two things confuse me. If God dwells within us and we are in him, Aren't we experiencing things for for God? And if God is all forgiving, does it matter what we do in this life? Doesn't he forgive us no matter what we do? So we, we kind of touched on these a little bit here, Jason. You want to maybe expound on these? He, the first one is, uh, he said, if God dwells within us and we are in him, aren't we experiencing things for, for God? We experiencing things for God. Well, um, yes. Um, on one aspect, I will say, yes, we are experiencing things for God because we are his hands and feet as the body of Christ. We are uh, God's creation. We are to live for him. And so on one aspect of that question, um, are we experiencing things for God? I would say, yeah, we are to do all things to the glory of God um, on one aspect. Uh, now, on the other question, I think if I, if I gather that question right, um, what was the, read that first said, part again, brother. It says, uh, if God is all forgiving, does it matter what we do in this life? Doesn't he just, no, no, no. Us? Oh, the other one. I'm that sorry. Was, uh, yeah, the other yeah, one. Uh, it says, if God dwells within us and we are in him, aren't we experiencing things for God? Okay. So the other side of that, you look at John, um, 17, I believe, um, one of the prayers of Jesus before he left this earth, and that's what the Holy Spirit just brought to my mind, was that Jesus's prayer before he left and went back to the Father was that, Lord, make them one as you and I are one so that the world will know that you sent me, right? And so his purpose, his desire was that us as believers would be one in him, in the relationship with the Godhead, in relationship to God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, that we would be one in him, that we would be united on one accord in all, right? 
Um, are you pulling that scripture up? Yeah, I've, yeah, I've got it up. Yeah, so in a sense, God's purpose for us is to be united on one accord and one. The Bible tells us that we should all have the same mind, to put on this same mind that Christ Jesus had. And so God's purpose is that we would be one in him, right? That's what we're living for. Now, this process doesn't just happen overnight, okay? He wants us, God is a family in himself, the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God wants us to be a family in one on one accord as the believers uh, in Jesus Christ. And so I hope this is touching on what you mean by that, uh, on that on that one particular question, is that um, we are to be one. That doesn't mean we are one yet, because we can see the division, we can see all of the different things we struggling with. We see the affair in the state of the church or church, some of the churches, but we are to be one in Christ. And, and in that sense, we are living for him and in him and through him. Yeah. I, I don't agree. know if that helps. No, that makes sense. I, I, I don't know if for is the word I would, I would use. Um, Cause we're not, God can, God, God doesn't have to experience anything. He is. Right. So that's, right. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, I, I don't know. I have to be careful that he's an eternal being. So there is no, he doesn't have to experience things as we do uh, to learn from them. Um, but I know what you mean, T-Webs. I know what you're saying. Um, and, and my take on that, um, if God dwells within us and we are in him, aren't we experiencing things for good for, I mean, for, uh, for God. Um, I'm with Jason on this. I mean, I, I, there are things that, through our life, through our eyes that we've taken in, we're enduring for him because that's what, who we've put our trust in. Like we were talking about the persecution, I guess would be a good example of that. They're enduring yeah. it because they understand truth. They understand that Jesus is the only way. And so whatever this life offers them, whether it be good or bad, blessings or cursings, you're going to accept it because you understand that he's, he's living inside of you. His spirit lives inside of you. So yeah, I guess from that aspect, you're, you're not, you, there's nothing we're going to do for him or that he's going to experience through us. But because he's in us, that becomes a part of him also. Um, it pains him that his children are suffering for his sake. But there's a, there's a great reward for that. Uh, so I, I, I don't know if either Jason's ex explanation or mine help you on that, but hopefully that, that clarifies uh, that for you. The second one was... Um, let, me, let me add one more. Oh, yeah. Let Go me ahead. add one more point to that. Um, let, let's look at it this way, too, is that Jesus Christ experienced everything for God mm, that good. Yeah. God needed to experience. Jesus was God in the flesh. And the Bible tells us that he experienced, there was nothing that we haven't experienced that he hadn't endured through life, whether regarding temptations, regarding trials, regarding struggles. Jesus experienced everything in the flesh that man can experience, yet he did it without sinning. And so Jesus is the invisible, or I'm sorry, the visible image of the invisible God, the invisible father. And so he experienced everything that God in the spirit, I guess I could say for lack of a better expression, that God the Father could have experienced. And yeah. he endured all. And so we are following Christ in the sense that we want to be obedient to him. Yeah, so. I, I guess it meant if you're talking about the resurrected Christ or the Christ that walked the earth, when he walked the earth, he did experience things as we experienced them because he had to so that he could overcome mm -hmm. sin. So, yeah, that's an important uh, point you make there, Jason, that in his humanity, ob he absolutely experienced things as a human being. That's made clear all through Scripture. 
but in his resurrected body and in the Godhead itself, the triune God, experience is not necessary for God because he doesn't have to learn. There's nothing to be corrected. He is, and he's perfect, and he's the, I, the great I am. Um, okay, so the second question, uh, if God is all-forgiving, does it matter what we do in this life? Doesn't he just forgive us no matter what we do? Okay, that's, yeah, That go ahead, Jason. I know you're you're chomping at the bit. No, that one. <laughs> no, you go ahead, bro. I'm just shaking it. Simple answer, no. <laughs> um, well, let me, let, me, let me put it this way, T-Webs. If you're married to a woman, and I don't know if you're married or not, but let's just assume you're married, <clears throat> would it matter to your wife if you're out running around on her, if you're cheating on her, um, and you just treat her like crap, and you beat her, and you don't feed her, you don't clothe her, uh, you give her car to someone else, um, you ignore her, you don't even talk to her, would that matter to her? I mean, you love her, you married her, right? It's the same thing with the Lord. If, if I'm going to say I'm committed to him, then I'm not going to run around on him. I'm not going to go do the things he told me not to do to spite him. Uh, so I think it's important that we understand it's relationship. There's a, there's a righteous jealousy and there's an unrighteous jealousy. The, the jealousy that the Lord has for us, his creation, is righteous because he doesn't want us falling into sin in the tr and then leading us to eternal torment in hell. He's trying to keep us from the fires of hell by loving us into his kingdom. He doesn't beat us over the head with the Bible. He doesn't beat us over the head with, with um, his directions for our life. He offers them to us, and it's a free expression of his love to us. And we have a free expression to, to either accept that offer or to reject it. And unfortunately, most will reject it. So it's to me, that's always been a cop-out. And I'm not saying you're copping out, T-Wiz, because I don't know where you're at with the Lord. Or, or I'm just saying... A lot of times I've heard that argument, it's because someone, they think it's about rules and regulations. It becomes very legalistic. Well, yeah, if I become a Christian, then I got to do this, 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 and that. Okay. And, and I remember when I was struggling, whether I was going to become a Christian, when I understood that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, I was on the fence because now truth was smacking me in the face. I had to either accept it or reject it at that point. You can't be lukewarm. You can't sit on the, in the middle. And I, it took me a long time to make the commitment because I thought it was about rules and regulations. Now, saying that, I have to be careful because when you become a Christian, you, you are going to change. If you're truly following him, he will change you from the inside out. It might take longer for some, shorter for others. And it's a, it's a lifelong process of change. It's called sanctification. And if I'm walking truly after him and my heart is fully after him, we said it earlier, the greatest commandment is love God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. If you're doing that, your behavior will change and it's going to change towards others. So I think to answer your question, absolutely, we have to know that our behavior matters before, the, before a holy God. He expects his children to behave. I mean, just if you have children... I mean, I'm pretty sure you've disciplined them. Hopefully you've, you've disciplined them so that they don't go wayward and end up in jail at some point in their life. And at least they, they're, you know, not a menace to society. So I, I mean, I think, I don't, I don't know you personally. I know you only in the chats, we're friends in the chats and all that stuff, but I don't, you know, where you are in your walk or whether you're even in the walk, I don't know, but I'm saying, yes, it matters. And I, and Jason, I know this is rhetorical. Do you, do you think it matters? <laughs> um, no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, of course it matters, uh, T. West. Uh, the thing is, one of the things, I guess, 
again, and, and I'm, I don't know you as well, and, and it seems like Gino doesn't know you that well, but um, sin is the real issue. Sin hurts. Sin brings pain and destruction. Sin causes, sin has consequences. Um, and again, I, I understand this by the Bible's sake, and you might as well, I don't know. But if, if the analogy that Gino gave was apparent to a child, when you don't when you don't obey your parents' instructions, and hopefully you had some good instruction from the parents that raised you, um, you know there's consequences to it. You know you tell your child don't stick your hand in the uh, electrical socket, right, or don't play with fire, or don't uh, walk out in the street and play in the street. I mean, all those are warnings and instructions so that you won't be hurt. And sin, as it relates to God is rebelliousness and it causes consequences, pain and hurt and destruction. And so, of course, God can forgive your sin legally because of Christ. He can forgive our sin because Christ has fulfilled all of the requirements of the law and his blood was without sin. When Christ lived on the earth, he did not sin. So he didn't, he never caused pain. He never caused, he never was rebellious. He never caused any destruction unto someone else's life and harmed them. So the love of God is without sin. God does not sin. God, the Bible says that he is light and there's no darkness or sin in him. So in that regard, this is why the father wants us to be without sin, he wants us to walk in the spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And regardless of what we might think, um, sin does cause destruction for someone else. When we go out and we, let's say we get drunk, right? Um, and we cause and we act a fool and we come home and we don't remember what we did the last night and this is just a general example that everybody can understand we're causing harm to other people we're causing embarrassment we're causing we could have caused somebody to get harmed we could have punched somebody we could have said something hateful or harmful to somebody you don't understand the ramifications of sin all the time when we're in it because we're being foolish and this is but god sees it god knows the ramification he knows what will happen when sin comes in just like what happened to the earth the whole earth was affected by sin. The ground was cursed and people had evil thoughts and self-centeredness. So to answer your question, uh, to try to be brief, um, no, we can't just do what we want to do because that's opposite of what God's will is. Even Jesus <laughs> on the cross said, Lord, take this cup from me. And that was his will at the time because the suffering was so great. But he said, nevertheless, my will be done. Nevertheless, thy will be done, not my own will. And so we want to be obedient to God in what we do. And so, no, we don't want to just do whatever we want because that wouldn't please him. You know, the irony in obeying God is you have a really good life. <laughs> like, it's just really good. When I go my own way, things just don't work. Like, and he knows the end from the beginning. And that's where the trust part comes in, the faith part. Like, you have to, once you... You know, and, and I hate, here's the experience thing again, but in my own life, experience has helped me because I could, I've used that experience when I've made terrible choices or bad mistakes to see how the Lord was patient with me. And he says, well, I tried to tell you, son, you just didn't want to do that. So you did it your own <laughs> way. Like, and, but I've learned from that and, and I still, t trust me, uh, T Webbs, bro, like, honestly, like I still make bad choices. Okay. I'm not perfect. I'm not here to look like I'm some, you know, perfect Christian. And there is no such thing as a perfect Christian. 
we're, we're all trying to get closer to be like him. And it's a walk. It's a daily walk. And it can be a struggle. Some days are better than others. But in the end, when I follow his ways, it's a much better life. And and it's it, just like as when I was talking about the children, you know, your kids, if I, if you don't tell your kids to look both ways or not play in the street, it's going to end really bad. And you, and you know that, but you, you may never have experienced that, but you know, the consequences of a 4,000 car, you know, pound car hitting a small child, it's not going to be good. And so, you know, that without even experiencing it. So, and that's the same with the Lord, the Lord, from his perspective, he sees your He's the author and finisher of our faith, the Bible says. So he knows the beginning and the end. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb, before the foundations of the earth. He knows what's best for each one of us. And he that's what he's overseeing. He's overseeing your life saying, child, I want you to, to prosper and be well. But if you choose these ways, there's consequences and they're not good. And it ultimately, we know the wages of sin is death. So that's his perspective. And... If we trust in him, then we understand it. And now I, I'm not, if you don't know him like that, then obviously these are, you know, I understand why you're asking these questions. So, but I appreciate the questions, man. I love when, uh, by the way, tonight, uh, my new host, Matt Van uh, Van Braben is going to be hosting with me on Insight Wednesdays instead of Robert. Robert's got his new job. So he's going to start hosting. And tonight we're actually going to be talking about uh, some scriptures maybe people don't understand and also we're going to take QA. so if anybody's in the chat that wants to ask questions that's that's going to be a great time to do it tonight and we'll try to answer them the best we can um i'm like i said we're not theologians i'm not a pastor i didn't go to bible college jason didn't either um and that could be a really good thing by the way not going to bible college nowadays <laughs> the liberalization of our bible colleges is just off the charts um but I know enough from experience in God's word in my own life, in my own walk, that what I'm telling you is 100% true. And what Jason has spoken today is 100% truth. We're not going to mislead you. Um, don't put your trust in us. That's, that's the caveat. That's the disclaimer. Don't ever put your trust in a man or a woman. You put it in God first. And then if we what we said today lines up with what the word says, then you can trust us. Other than that, if, I, if Jason said, well, this is my opinion, or I said it's my opinion, that's what we meant. That's not the word of the Lord. That's us. So, And also, I, just to add, uh, no, go ahead, brother. I, I, no, that's I it. That's it. That's okay. it. Okay. Okay. There are teachers that will tell you that, T. West, and I don't know if that's where maybe you've heard that from, or maybe you were just sincerely asking that question, but there are some teachers out there, false teachers, mind you, but there are teachers that will say you can pretty much do anything you want and you'll be fine with God and God will forgive you at any aspect. And, and you're, you're going to go to heaven because God is God and he forgives all things. And um, yeah, I mean, there are preachers and pastors that will tell you that they are wrong. And I will tell you that boldly uh, without um, any hesitation that they are wrong about that because, again, the love of God and what God is looking for is what we discussed earlier is a transparent heart, a humble heart, and somebody who's willing to follow him uh, and follow Christ, follow the example of Jesus and be submitted to Christ. And so we cannot be... Um, proclaimers of sin in a sense of saying we can do whatever we want because we're in Christ. I'll tell you, this is one of the arguments that many atheists have against the church because the, the perception 
is that, yeah, they were doing this their whole life and, and uh, they're still doing it. They're still drinking. They're still acting fool. They're still cussing. They're still cheating on their wives and whatever. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes along and they can be, they're just fine. And that's their argument. A lot of them. And, and, and but the people aren't changed. The Bible shows you clear that whenever anybody encountered Jesus, that their lives were changed. They had a heart change. They had a mindset change and they were different people. And so you can't really encounter Jesus and continue to go on and be the same individual you were before you met him, or you really haven't met Jesus, you know, or maybe you've met him and just rejected him. Like, like some that were in the Bible as well, that, that were, they hated him because of his righteousness, but you can't truly meet Jesus and follow Jesus and be the same person you were before. That's just not, that, that does not glorify God. And that does not speak the truth of what happens when you, are in Christ. A, a changed life is the best evidence that you've been born again. There's that's the best evidence. Um, <laughs> Joyful June, she always gets me on this. She's from Georgia, and she says, uh, "Still love it when Gino says car," and she's got that in quotes. That midwest midwestern accents are fun. <laughs> I don't know. She said that when I I said from now on I'm saying automobile, no more car because. <laughs> 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 Uh, to me it's uh, i don't know someone said it sounds like i forgot what they said it sounds like when i say car say car jason car okay uh, it sounds like mine i guess i don't know i think it's funny um uh t, t, t webb said uh this is all good information thank you brothers grateful for your thoughts and opinions no problem man that's what we're here for that's why i love doing that's why um i did not want to do podcasting trust me live streaming was not on my agenda but god it was with god and um this is why because <clears throat> we can speak to one brother to another one human being to another we don't look down at each other there's no dumb question just like our teachers used to tell us when we were kids and there really isn't i mean unless someone's a troll or whatever and they're trying to you know okay but I, but like t webs those were great questions man like and and i just talked to someone the other day i was talking to a, a girlfriend and boyfriend one's one's a christian one isn't and I had a nice long conversation with them and I explained things. And the one that wasn't a Christian was asking phenomenal, phenomenal questions. I mean, like awesome questions. He was truly seeking. I want to know what truth is. And I said, that's awesome. I said, because I can speak to you that way. If you're not seeking truth, there's nothing I'm going to say to you that's going to help. But if I know you're seeking truth, it's ultimately going to lead to Jesus Christ. So it was awesome. It was a great conversation. And that's the, the way I feel with you, T-Webs. I feel like when you ask questions, it seems like, you know, I, you're legitimately trying to seek, like, okay, I want to know what the truth is. I need to know. So that's awesome, bro. Um, <laughs> CDP for JC. Canadians about equals a boat. <laughs> Actually, I think, it's, I think it's more a boot. A boot. Yeah. A boot. A boot, eh? Yeah, a boot, eh? Uh, all right, bro. Hey, man. Good, good show today. Uh, we went pretty long. I know. Do you have to work today? No, I'm I'm off for a while. I, I got a lot to do to get ready for, uh, you know, Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I'm I'm off, man. I, I'm good. That's why I was able to do it today. Yeah, sweet. If I had to work out, I'd been gone. <laughs> I, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, well, he's late now. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, man, have a good Thanksgiving. Everybody in the chat, God love you. Be blessed. Uh, have a great Thanksgiving with your families. Um, and if you guys uh, want to join me tonight, 730, me and Matt will be on, like I said, Q&A. And then we'll also be going over some scriptures that maybe 
seem controversial or hard sayings or whatever. We're going to go over some of those. Uh, and then tomorrow, no show tomorrow, obviously, with the, with the holiday. Uh, I will be back on, do, 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 let's see here, Sunday night, The Blender with Michael. That's going to be at, right after Joyful June show around 8 p.m. Uh, it depends on Joyful June. I mean, if, you know, she goes long sometimes, so we'll just blame it on her if, if we start late. <laughs> love you, sis. Um, and car, by the way, one more time for the road. Um, Jason, love you, bro, man. Thanks for, for joining me today. Uh, have a blessed Thanksgiving. Praying for you and your family, as always. Uh, and uh, I guess that's it. Any last words? Um, let's see. What can I say? What can I say that be? thought-provoking no um <laughs> something profound <no. laughs> something profound yes you want to put on like a white uh, robe and like maybe a... <laughs> no man it was great brother i appreciate you i appreciate everybody that tuned in to watching us and going over the word so it's 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 a blessing i appreciate uh i just appreciate the presence of the lord man um he showed up you know i'm i was uh just thankful that uh, when we talk about the Lord word, the Lord's word and glorify him, that his presence is with us. And so I, I really feel the Lord's presence. And um, my dog, <laughs> can you hear my dog? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. Um, but, yeah, man, I had a great, great time. And I appreciate you. I love you, brother, so much. You know I do. Tell the family hello. And see you guys later. Will do, man. Everybody take care. Yeah. Be blessed. Have a great holiday. Talk to you soon. See you, hopefully see you guys tonight. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.